All right, we are live with Jordoga on The Business We've Chosen, episode 10. Welcome to the pod, Jordoga. Hey, man. Uh, thanks for having me. It's, it's been several months in the works now. I was surprised when I was looking back through the archives. I think it was like eight months ago that you first asked me to uh, <laughs> to do it. So Yeah, it was a really long so, time ago. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I like... Like that, like I was like, man, uh, COVID times going like a lot faster than I thought it was, or like I don't know. But, anyways, I'm glad we could uh, finally make it happen, and hopefully, I can share some some interesting stories and some insight. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, when did you start gambling? Like, how long have you been in the Twitter sphere? Were you always active since you've been gambling? Because I've only followed you recently, but you've been betting for um, quite some time, right? Yeah, so I uh, um as far as Twitter goes, like I think I finally created the Jordoga account like as a way to maybe throw some jabs out at some people and and do some trolling, right. <laughs> but for for the most part I was I was always kind of like a lurker and was just kind of using it to gather info. Um like I'm like naturally like a introverted person and I guess that persona kind of spills into the online realm too but uh if you catch me on a day where maybe i'm running bad coupled with coupled with a few other things uh, i might be willing to 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 log on the jordoga account and and take some shots at some people so um <laughs> yeah i i'm thinking i'm thinking this is like well heck we've hardly bet any sports in in 2020 i know College Hoops was going on there for a couple of months. Um, but I, I think this is like the sixth or seventh year that I've like, quote unquote, been betting professionally. Um, the first couple years were kind of like token years where I kind of had like just a good like living situation where I was able to kind of like just immerse myself into betting and I wasn't really betting all that much. Um, and then I would say like the last three or four years is when I really like started ramping up and like, like doing this, like on a high volume, you know, betting real, like a lot of real money type of type of deal. So when, and when you started it, like, how did you start before the professional? Cause I imagine you didn't just like say, I'm going to be a professional better. You must've been betting recreationally before the beforehand. Mm-hmm. Right, right, for sure. Um, I guess my progression through the whole thing is very similar to most people. Um, like some sometime in in like ele- elementary school, my dad brought home like a like someone that my dad worked with knew a bookie that ran like a weekly football poll, and it had like a bunch of the like a bunch of the big time college football games, like side and total. And then like all the NFL games side and total that you, it was like $10 entry or something like that. And like, from that moment forward, I was just kind of like that, that kind of like lit the fire. I was like, okay, like I really, I really kind of like this and it's, it's super interesting. And that just kind of progressed through like high school. I was always kind of like just doing degenerate stuff. Like, I can remember like me and my best friend when we were like probably like 15 or 16, like got the idea to deposit into like a sketchy offshore account. And we were sending money grams to Costa Rica to like 
you know, they would give you like the that ra- they'd give you like the random like three like three person names like Pedro Vargas Rodriguez and we were just shipping the money off to him and like it's weird like I like baseball is a want like I do bet baseball now but I wouldn't say it's like one of my main sports but like that's the first sport I can remember betting I don't know if it was just because we were like dicking around in the summer and like didn't have anything to do or or what but yeah it kind of started with like you know betting baseball like when I was like a teenager and like obviously we weren't even getting paid out like we had no idea what we were doing and then that kind of followed me into college like in college I was always like super interested in it but was like still in that like area where I like didn't really have a clue what I was doing like I could remember like freshman or sophomore year of college like like I didn't even know the term martingale at the time but like I was basically like using a martingale system which obviously is like super square like I was just like betting one game and then if that game lost like kind of like betting the next game to like make up my losses and then what I was trying to make in the game before and um so like was just doing a bunch of like stupid shit with betting in college and then like I don't even know like what happened but like I started stumbling on like some of the forums like this would have been probably like maybe right as the Twitter boom was happening or like a few years like a year or two before Twitter was like really taken off so like forums back then were really like really popular like um EOG uh, roughing the punter, betting talk, like all those forums were like, it's where like a lot of people, like a lot of sharps were posting. And like, at that point I was just kind of like, just like reading as much as I could kind of like figuring out like, Oh wow. Like you can actually do this for a living. And like, what are the people that are like doing this for a living? Like, how do they operate? What kind of stuff are they betting? And so like in, in college, like it was then like near the end of college i was like man like i would lo- i would love to do this like if this is at all possible and if i like actually have the skill set like this is definitely something that like would be really sweet to do for a living and i still like was kind of unsure like if it was possible you know like i i had no idea like really the only like pro betters i knew of was like the services like some of the more like popular services at the time like ras and dr bob and stuff like that um and then i guess you could say like i you know just just kept like reading as much stuff as i could like asking as many people on the forums like as questions as i could and then like after college um i got i kind of had like a like a donk out opportunity like Cause my parents moved but they like kept their like the house i grew up in they kept it so like i was able to live there um like rent free like all i had to pay was like for utilities like internet cable or whatever and i just you know it, it was kind of like a like a great setup to have but at the same time like i just kind of used that as my opportunity to like let's learn as much as i possibly can about sports betting and like at that point, I realized like it's it's kind of a math driven game. Like, you know, unless you have all these like great info sources to get a qualitative edge, like it's kind of a math game. And so like I started like developing basic models. And I guess at this time is when like 
gambling Twitter was, at least in my mind, was when gambling Twitter was really taking off. And um, I started following people on Twitter. And one of those guys was Groovin Mahoven, which um, RIP, he was he was just awesome. Like he, he lived, he lived probably like 30 minutes from where I, I grew up as a kid. So that was kind of like our, like ice breaking, like sliding into his DMS talking. And then (laughs) he just, he, yeah, yeah. He just, he just helped me so much with like closing line value and just like what's important and like how, you know, you have an edge and like kind of like what it takes to win and stuff. And like, so that that was great like you know meeting him through twitter and talking to him was just like an absolute blessing because he kind of taught me all the like all the things necessary to like kind of become a professional gambler and so like at that point then i was kind of like sharing plays and like you know basically just like anyone i thought was like a legit pro on twitter or like on the forums like i was trying to reach out to him and like oh like look at my plays and like i think at this time i was betting like college football totals only maybe like and like randomly one day um i got a phone call from a dude like in new jersey and like at the time like i had a pretty like i had a pretty decent model i was well versed and like you know closing line value like you want to beat the market and stuff but like i had absolutely no idea how to bet or like how the whole process worked with off, you know, off screen and like offshore and these books are on screen. And this dude just like hit me up and was like, Hey, like I heard, I heard from some people that like, you have really good college football totals. Like if I turn over accounts to you, like, will you bet for me? And of course I was like, hell yeah. Like it it was like, it was like the happiest day of my life. Like I was like, this is kind of the stuff, this is the kind of the stuff like you see in movies and like whatnot. And, so like I was like super pumped up and I was like, yeah, dude, like I would like love to do that. So he turned over like a bunch of accounts to me and like offered me like a free roll deal where I was just like I was like betting my plays into his accounts for like a like a small like small percentage of the winnings. And like I could I can still remember he sent me a like a hundred like a thousand dollar money order in the mail and I was just like this is this is like the absolute greatest day of my life. Like I couldn't believe that like it was actually real and like legit. And so then I just kind of like conti- continued to grow my own bankroll. I was betting for this guy all in the process of like networking and, you know, kind of getting connected with people. And it's just kind of taken off since then. And I've, you know, every year I try and, you know, kind of do something to take it to the next level. And I guess you could say, as you say, end boss status is is kind of what I'm trying to trend towards. So right, we'll yeah, see. I've gotten some pushback. We'll happens. Is that a um? Do people not use that word? I was under the impression that was a pretty commonly used word, <laughs> but I, I everyone tells I, me I like, use it way more than anyone else. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, like I I don't know if I've ever heard that, and like until you drop that line, but I mean, I I love it. It's uh, okay. Like, gotcha. It's definitely, like it, it's definitely. Uh, it definitely summarizes like what what you're trying to do and, and and what the what the people like at the top of the top of the game are doing. So, yeah, and boss, um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so you were betting. So that's kind of funny. So I guess when you were like, I'm gonna be a professional better, you still like 
what were what you would what would you say the chances were of you making it at the time? Were you like 100% this is going to work? Or were you like 0% this is going to work? It sounds like it might have been kind yeah. of 50-50. Yeah, like I, I don't even know if I would say 50-50. I was just kind of like... What would you have done if it hadn't like, worked? Were you like, I won't be able to get a job or something? Or you just man, were like, I, like, I got it. Like, I, 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 that's a great question. I, I really have no idea. And like that original <laughs> guy, that original, yeah, that original dude from Jersey um, that reached out for me, like reached out to me, like we kind of still joke about that to this day. Cause like, he was always like, man, I love working with you. Like compared to all the other pros, because this is like life or death with you. Like if you lose, like you're going to have to go to the real world. Well, like all the other big guys, like betting for him and moving money were like, big established groups and you know stuff like that so yeah it, it, and i yeah i i have absolutely no idea like i, I did work <laughs> one awesome. year like i worked one year in banking like like doing some like garbage stuff with commercial loans and like i said like i probably like i probably like made the jump too soon like with too small of a bankroll didn't quite know like exactly how the whole like betting market thing worked but at the same time like i want to say or i want to believe that it like made me learn quicker and it like taught me like like some valuable lessons that are still like good to have like even now that i'm kind of established so yeah that makes sense like, that's pretty cool how so the guy yeah. messaged you on a forum that you had been posting on or it was through twitter how did you what was the way you uh, actually got in touch with them yeah he he actually sent me like an email of like he sent me an email and was like yo let me know like a cell phone number um how did I he have your you email at. address i i have no idea like, <laughs> must have known like i was i was i was giving plays out to people like um like, cause like I said, I was just kind of like wanting to network and like prove to people that like, I knew what I was doing. So I think he was like boys with like someone that I was like, you know, hitting up and like gotcha. sharing plays with. And then, and then he, he, unlike these people was like way more of an action junkie, you know, like he needed, like he wanted to get in and was just like, yeah, dude, like here are a half dozen accounts, like go wild, like bet whatever you want and, you know, keep a spreadsheet and keep your winnings and, you know, I'll give you 15 to 20%, whatever it was at the time. And so, yeah, it, it was like, it was totally random. Like I, like when I saw the email pop up, I was like, man, I like, is this, is this some sort of like scam or like what, like what's going on here? But it ended up, ended up being legit. And, uh, you know, he, he definitely did like, he definitely played like a pivotal role and like, me getting my start and like being able to build a bankroll. And like, I think the best thing he did was it wasn't like a setup where like I messaged him the plays and then he bet them and, or whatever. Like it was like, he turned over the accounts to me and was just like, go at, go at it kid. And I was like, Oh, okay. Like, and so like through, through all that, I was able to learn like a lot about like how the off screen markets work and you know, what books are on screen and off screen and, you know, what, what time of the week and when in the week are people betting college football totals? And, you know, like, how do I get ahead of these moves and, and make sure that I'm, you know, still playing when I have an edge and stuff like that. So. Right. So it, it kind of sounds like 
there's sometimes people on Twitter who will like post their plays, I guess, with similar hopes to you. When you were doing it, you were posting yeah. it on forums or just giving it out to people. Did people not tweet them out back then? Like, how did uh, other people yeah. get it? Were you messaging them or um, an this, email subscription probably, or something? Yeah, this was probably mostly just posting them on forums and stuff like that. And, um, you know, if, if it was someone that, like, I talked to, um, like, through DMs or something, maybe that maybe I was hitting them an email with them. Um, but, like, that's kind of – that was kind of, like, how I – started realizing like may like man maybe i am onto something here because like i said i was playing college football totals and like i was just like a lot of times like i was like giving them maybe five or six plays early in the week and like by the end of the week like all five or six were just kind of long like long gone like the lines have moved like a lot and like once i started learning about you know like closing line value and all that stuff i was kind of like man like like maybe I'm onto something here and let's try to do this in another market or, you know, let's, let's just see how far we can take it. And like I said, like every year since then, it's just kind of seems like you learn. You And, and I think this is kind of like important and like keeping an edge. Like, I feel like you always want to look back at yourself, like even the year before and just be like, man, I was so dumb. Like how the, how the heck did I win? And like you just you just want to like constantly like evolve and like get sharper as as time goes on. Yeah, that totally makes sense. I, it's funny you say that because when I, um, I had a similar experience for the first time I was betting like in a real capacity was on like a similar free roll deal and, like that was in two thousand seventeen where on twenty eighteen I was like wow I knew nothing back then and then twenty nineteen I'm like wow I knew nothing back then and this year betting college basketball although I didn't have very good results. Um, it was like, I, I couldn't believe the year before. I was like, how did I bet so much money? Like not knowing all the stuff that I know now, you know? It's kind of amazing yeah, that yeah, you can, right. a lot of times when you're risking money against the market, like there's always stuff you don't know. Even if you still have an edge and win and are a professional and crush it, there's still something you don't know. So it's kind of For scary sure. to think that you can like, you know, risk millions of dollars all the time yeah, on right, like right. stuff that you might just be such a fish on. Yep, yep, totally. And then you're like, did I did I just get lucky, or like do do like I like do I have an edge? Like what like what's going on here that I feel so much sharper? Like while I'm hardly winning this year, I feel like so much sharper than like three years ago when I made like all this money. You know? Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So what were the forum, like, it's so weird because everyone talks about the forums and stuff, but I've like never really interacted with them. And there's such a terrible like interface, you know, it's impossible to find anything. And the posts, you got to <laughs> scroll through a million pages. And like, I hate going yeah, on two oh, plus two. Yeah. And I've read back some of the EOG stuff, especially after I watched that um, Boston movie, the best of it. I like didn't know who the okay, shrink yeah. was. So I was reading about all that stuff, you know? Yeah, EOG was funny because it was always like it was such a mix of like just like a cesspool of like degenerate like idiots, but like for some reason like some legit sharps like were hanging out there and like talking, uh, you know, like posting stuff. And I know Groovin, Mahoven hung around there a good bit. Um, but yeah, like like you said, you get like you get such like a '90s vibe when you go to like a forum. Like how, you're just like, how was this like? the way people 
um, shared info and stuff. But like betting talk, uh, you know, it it's kind of dead now. That's RAS's forum. But like when I was coming up, and even before that, it was like it 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 was legit. Like there were a lot of pros, like always, like contributing, whether it was like posting plays or just like giving people pointers or whatever. But um, like for whatever reason now, everything just moved to Twitter, and you know, it, it seems like on Twitter you're just like you just got to fend for yourself, and uh, I guess. Yeah, when did that happen? That move to Twitter was that like 2014, 2015? It is crazy how yeah. hostile people are on Twitter, though. You know, it's like yeah, right. Everything you yeah. write, and even I do it sometimes. Like I'll see someone say like, "This doesn't seem good," and I'm like, assuming all these things about you know what I mean. You just like kind of freak out. You're just yeah, right. it's kind of fun too to just like troll yeah, people no, and yell no. at people and be like, "You're an idiot." <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I would say like around then, like 2015-ish, 2016 maybe, because I don't, like, I don't know any of the Seville guys, like, personally, um, but from what I heard, like, it, it started out, like, it was a forum, or like, they all posted to a forum or something like that, and then it, like, they all kind of, like, slowly made their way to Twitter, um, so it, it is interesting, like, how it all kind of, like, slowly migrated um onto twitter but yeah that like that's a thing like if you're if you're like someone that's just getting started in this industry like i feel like a lot of people always say like oh don't bet like just just you know whatever your day job is or your actual hobbies like just stick to that like you don't want to like get involved and try to do this like for a living or for a semi-living like i don't think that would be my advice but i think my advice would be like you better have thick skin because you're probably not going to be very sharp or you're not going to be very sharp when you first get into this. And like some of the sharper dudes are, are, are probably just going to drill you and, you know, kind of like write you off or like maybe they will like kind of give you some pointers, but it'll kind of be like in a dickhead way. So like, that would be, that's like the biggest thing. Like you better kind of have some, some thick skin if you're going to like, randomly decide one day that, oh, I'm going to bet for a living and try to learn as much as I can. Um, and like I said, thankfully for me, like, Groovin was, like, just such a nice dude that, like, he didn't care that I was just some, like, dude in my low to mid-20s that, like, kind of had, like, a decent, like, tempo-based college football totals model. And, like, he was some, like, legit AP. Like, he was always willing to ask questions, like, no matter what. And, like I said, that that helped me out, and I'm not I'm not sure that that Twitter has someone someone like that this day and age. Yeah, no one. I think just no one is really willing to. Um, no one really wants to help anyone as much as that anymore, and maybe it's because right. the market is like a little bit tougher. You know, I don't know. I don't know what it was like back then, or maybe he was just so generous, and no one is currently it that is. generous because there's you only know, it, a few guys. You know, there's probably. When I was talking to um, MWPGT, he was saying there's, you know, 50 to 100 DFS guys that are making a living. There's probably, you know, the same amount in sports or something. Very, It's a small number, you know, so maybe just no one's as nice as he was. Right. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it really is. I mean, it, it's such a fine line between, like, what you want to be willing to help help people with and, like, what could be too much help, you know, because if – if there's kind of like a an ambitious Q 
kid out there that like has pretty good programming background and like has a good feel for like modeling and stuff like you know if if you tell them too much then you're you're kind of creating your own competition so um, right yeah it's it's a very fine line of of what you want to get out and stuff but that was actually uh one thing i had on my list you you said about you weren't sure what it was like back then when did you when did you actually like start like betting like semi-seriously or like seriously yeah i started i bet a lot i played golf growing up and so i would like make two-sided markets on a lot of golf things very frequently like starting at maybe age 13 kind of like when i started playing golf and it was like fairly big money stuff and all of us caddied so we actually like had a lot of cash on us all the time we were making you know something like 200 dollars a day every day in the summer so you would just play golf for like, you know, thousands of dollars when you're like 14 years old and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. we had the cash and I was like, whatever, I'll get more later. And, you know, we're kids. Our parents paid for everything. We didn't need the money for anything. So I would make a lot of markets in golf stuff. And then I started doing some sports stuff a tiny bit. My junior year of college, there was a friend of mine at Indiana who he was in his guy in his frat had a book at allwager.us. I don't know if you've ever had an account there. Um, I had a few accounts there from like 2013 to 2015 and I haven't had one since. I don't even know if it exists anymore, but it was really, really soft. I now know, but back then I was just betting on whatever, you know, like the, the bears game. If like, I thought the line should be seven and a half and it was six and a half, but like, I say I thought it should be seven and a half. There wasn't a lot going into that number. Um, Right, right. So I would bet some stuff like that with like the idea of the market's mispriced because I kind of understood market pricing. Um, It wasn't like I just thought the bears were a lock or something. I was making my own lines. They just were total garbage. And it was in the NFL and I was doing it by, (laughs) there there weren't any numbers, you know? Like it wasn't like I even had a spreadsheet or something. And then I, my senior year, I realized that like some of the lines were just wrong. I think I had accidentally, um, I was betting on a golf matchup randomly in Europe and I was following the tournament and I was randomly on the site and I saw that one of the guys um, had already played his round, but the time zones are really weird, you know, because it might be 3 a.m. in the central time zone, but they're playing the tournament tomorrow at 10 a.m., in you know south africa or something so there's these weird right. sorts of time errors and i noticed that it was wrong it was like you know the, the line was still right but the match had already happened um so i was like okay i should bet on this and i bet on it <laughs> and i won and then the guy paid me on monday and i was like interesting um i would like to do more of this betting on stuff that already happened so yeah, I right, started yeah. trying to do as much of that as I could, betting on stuff that already happened and do what I call like professional cheating sports betting, you know, kind of like the the approach that most people who win at sports betting use where you're just finding wrong lines and not even wrong lines, but just stuff that's off a little bit. It's not always the matches literally happened, but then sometimes there'd be things where a tennis match started or a fight started and it's on a schedule, you know, like it's the third match on the court or it's the fourth match in the um, on the night. So they don't know exactly when it'll start, but these low budget sites would hard code the time. So a tennis match, if the first one of the day was 10 a.m., 
the second one would be 12, the next one would be two, the next one would be four, because it was the tennis tournament said that these should start every two hours, but who knows how long a game of tennis takes. So those would happen a lot where like some girl would be up 3-0 in the first set and the line would still be up and you'd have like one minute left. So I was doing a lot of betting stuff right at the end because I was only ever betting on this allwager.us site. It was the only one I, um, I had. I didn't realize there was like Don Best or other stuff. And I am not really interested in sports. So it's not like I was watching sports at the time and I thought this was a good number. I want to bet on college basketball. I just was like trying to make money on the site. It was like a game. So that's what I did for the first little bit. And then I got stiffed so many times and kicked out of so many places that, I mean, it's really hard to replenish accounts unless you're really well connected. And it's hard to get connected and especially hard right when you start where once I had lost like nine accounts, I was like, holy shit, I don't think I'll ever be able to get an account again. Um, Cause I had just gone through every, I'd exhausted all my avenues. So then I was like, I should probably try to learn how to like actually make a bet on something that hasn't started yet. Um, yeah, so then right. I started, I started trying to do that in like 2017 and had like some success and then just ramped it up and started betting for real in 2018. But the first time I ever like tracked a bet I made was 2019. So I didn't like actually write down the bet. It was kind of like I put the bets in the account. I would settle up. I would guess like, I don't know. Right, I, right. I think I made money last month, but I don't know. And, and over the course of the year, it would be very obvious. Like, yes, I did make money. Like some people were paying me in um, chunks or something. Like if you settle a figure every so often with someone, but yeah, I didn't track anything. My new year's resolution in 2019 was to track every bet I made. And I remember texting this guy on like January 2nd. I was like, you've been a pro for a while. How, um, how long have you been tracking all your bets? And he was like, I haven't missed anything in like seven years. <laughs> and I was like, holy <laughs> shit. I like, I'm two days into this. I, I spend all day like writing all the bets I made, you know, I'm making 50 bets a day or something. Like, how am I going to keep track of all this? And then I was keeping track of where they all closed and keeping track of like a few other, like just manual inputs. And now it's like become a part of my life where I just get, got used to it. But yeah, I haven't been betting um, seriously for very long. Right. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's interesting. You bring that up about like kind of taking advantage of like all those like randomly wild, like big edges you can get because like there's, there's people that like, that's how they attack the markets. Like that's how they like go about like trying to win. And I think that's one thing that's like interesting about like sports betting in the markets is just like, there's so many people that like are winning or like semi winning that like go about it and like completely different, like just go about it in completely different ways. Like some people are just like shopping like props or like betting off number markets or like trying to find like random edges in esports or like tennis or like stuff that's like not like prevalent to like most people. And then there's like, the people that are just like betting full game size and totals and they're doing it at like very high limits. And then there's people that can't even originate, but they like some way can get like infinite accounts, like, like all the time. And they just turn their accounts over to the people that can win. So like, that's one thing that's always fascinated me about betting was just like, there's not one way to be successful at it. And there's, there's people that are successful at it that are just doing it in like vastly, vastly different ways. Um, but like for me, like, because I, like I've 
like I don't know how like I don't know how I would go out and get a betting account on my own right now. Like, yeah, sometimes it like flukily happens, but it's not like that's what I kind of rely on my like partners and people I work with for. Um, so like when I was getting into it, like whether I was just like dumb or not, like I was always just looking to attack like the bigger markets because I was like, OK, if I want to make a lot of money doing this, like I feel like it's going to have to be in the bigger markets like. Yeah, you can pick off these like small edges and like random edges, but it's like, are are you gonna get paid on it? How long is the account gonna last? Like, is this like a like a long term like like deal that I can like keep pulling this off? So it seems like you kind of had like a similar epiphany and that like maybe I should try college basketball, like something that people are gonna book a little more easier than than betting uh, tennis tennis games that already started. Right, and it was one of those things where like it just became so tedious that luckily I had a real job that like paid me money where I was like, I don't want to work this hard for this money. And you know, you are at some level kind of cheating. So it's like, do you want to be doing that? And not from a moral perspective, but from a perspective of people are always going to kick you out if you're cheating them. Like it's always going to be really, really hard to scale these edges. And now cheating has evolved in sports betting to where it's like, if you bet early week totals that move, that's like considered by bookies to be cheating. So like it can obviously go too far, but um, if you want to make like real money in sports betting, you're going to have to bet the real stuff. You know, you're going to have to bet games like as they're about to start and on the spread of the game and maybe the total in big markets, but mostly like you're going to have to bet on the stuff that is hard and is probably fair. And you're going to have to like have a real edge to do it. But the upside is that even if you have a really small edge, um, if you like know what it is and you can put in some volume, you can get pretty rich. You know, Farf tweeted that one time. He's like, you can get rich at a 2% ROI, but you're gonna have to bet. Yeah, no, no, totally. That's, that was, that's an excellent point you just made. And, you know, like, I don't think any of us were like, no one really knew what like growing legalization was like, what was going to come with it. Like all these States legalizing sports betting. But like my opinion, my opinion is like, people that win by like playing props and like taking advantage of like off market numbers. Like I, like I personally just think that's like a dying breed. Like I, I just think it's getting harder and harder to win that way. Like, yeah. And the, the bookies, bookies are, are like, they're ticked off to all the, all the secrets, you know, it's like there used to be a hundred ways you could do it. And now there's like eight and there's still some ways, but they're learning each time. Like, Oh, you can't bot these RAS totals and you can't bet these early week college football totals. We're just not going to put the line up till Wednesday. You know, they just, yep. they yep. can, they can keep evolving. So you got to do it as well. Yep. Yep. It, it, it just seems, you know, winning that way just gets, gets kind of more and more difficult. Um, I'm trying to think like, what are some more like, like changes I see from like when I first started until now, like, that's definitely one of them. And I've, I've heard stories from people that were in this 10 to 15 years before I got into it. And I mean, it was even more of a candy store, like how you could run up like props and just like bet a ton on them and how this book wouldn't move their lines all day. And it, and it was just crazy, but it, it's just getting harder and harder to do that. And unfortunately you gotta, you gotta win the real way. But uh, you know, if you're able to, like, like you said, and like Favre said, I mean, you could bet a lot of money on some of these markets, um, you know, if you're willing to, like, if you still have an edge late in the week or 
late in the day if you're betting a daily sport. So, I mean, the opportunities are still there and, and people are still doing it. So Yeah, because like when your you bankroll just... is, when your bankroll is, say, less than $10,000, you're just betting on, the bets you make are so small that you can make such high edge bets. Like once you make, if you like track a thousand bets and your bankroll is less than $10,000 and you don't get rich, like you're not good at betting. You know, like it, it will happen. You have to run so bad and after like a thousand picks or 1500 picks like it's impossible for you know so yep. you can scale it up pretty quick but it is risk and it's always terrible because you might not have edge you know you might be putting in the dumb money in the market someone is yeah for sure and and like that's that's one like that's one way that i've kind of like have been lucky and like fortunate and i i think like I mean, just, just in life in general, no matter what job or like what industry you're working with, like luck and timing is, is uh, good to have on your side. And so like, yeah, like I was able to like network with some people that just had like so many accounts and it was like, like, look, I'm only betting like X amount of dollars per unit. Like I might eventually need these accounts, but like, I don't, I don't need it right now. Like it, it does me no good. I'm, I'm not going to over bet and you know, my edge is probably small to begin with. So like, right. I, I got to be smart about this. And like, then, then they would offer free roll deals. So like, that was like, for me personally, like that was a great way to kind of like, yeah, small edge, but now I have three or four people that are like wanting to bet my stuff because you know, it, it, it does win. It's not winning. Like, you know, it, it's not like a, it's not like a prop market. Like it's legit, like college football size or like, MLB, like whatever the case may be. And, you know, yeah, we want the, you know, we want this stuff and, you know, we have money. So like, that was one thing that, that like really helped me. And like one reason why I was so willing to just like, I hate to say bypass like the smaller markets, but like one reason why I was so willing to just be like, okay, like I, I'm going to focus on markets that I have, that I can grow in and that I'm not going to lose accounts all the time. And that, you know, as my bankroll grows, like, and I get sharper, like I can stay in these markets and, and like still operate in them. And as opposed to like, okay, well now I have nowhere to bet, you know, college basketball totals at eight in the morning. Like, what am I going to do now? Yeah, it's, it's tough. Like it's a pick your poison because you will, it's definitely easier to do the cheating sports betting, but it's, um, they both have their pros and cons, you know? Yep. Yep. For sure. Like that's so cheap um, thing to... today. Did you see that today? There's a Russian soccer game where apparently the entire team is coronavirus. So they played like a, the high school team or something. <laughs> no, I didn't see anything about that. Yeah. There's a bunch of people betting on like those sorts of things. So the line was a pick or oh, something, God. but one of the teams is like high schoolers. Yeah. And, and, and like the other, like the other thing, like with those markets kind of being like harder and harder to be is like, there's always some idiot on Twitter like sharing it. It's like, dude, like, why, like, why wouldn't you be like trying to bet this for like infinite, infinite amount? Like, there's always some dude on Twitter like, hey, if you have these accounts, like, these numbers aren't moving at all, and it's, and you know, you'll always see people like in the replies like, why are you telling people about this? Like, so like information nowadays, it, it just spreads so quick, and then you know the the agents and the bookies find out about it, and then it's just you know, it can just be hard to get, hard to get paid and, you know, whatever else. But I'm trying to think of like more, like other things that like changed a lot from when I first started. Um, 
like we kind of touched on this, like competitiveness is definitely way more intense. Like I can remember like one of the weird things was like when, like the first couple of years I was doing this, like Chris and Pinnacle would only put college basketball totals up on games that were on TV. Like, so if the game wasn't like a national TV game, it did not have a total to bet. And that's how like most of the off, like off screen books were as well. Like, I want to say like five dimes was one of the lone books that would put totals for every single game. So like if you had like a five dimes copier or like randomly had like an off screen that had totals for every game, it was just like a gold mine. But like those were from at least from like my side of things, they were really hard to find. But like at the same time, I could remember like a college basketball total, like people wouldn't start steaming totals on screen until like 11 Eastern or like 1030 Eastern, like during the day. And now it's like, if you wake up and look at the screen at like 7.30 a.m. or like 8.30 a.m., by the time it's like 9.30, like a lot of the games that you showed big edges on are like already gone. Like someone either started hitting them at Chris and then like people started panicking and just like throwing all their money out there. And now it's moved like four or five points. Like that's definitely one of the biggest things is just how how much earlier people bet on these bigger markets is like crazy just how much that's changed in like four to five years. So like, who knows what the future's future is going to hold for, for that. Yeah. It's, um, it's crazy to hear those stories because I can't even imagine like why were people waiting or I, it's just hard to imagine a different world than the one now where like everything kind of goes pretty quickly. And right. you know, unless you have a real solid good edge that like other people disagree with, like stuff's going to kind of go. Yeah, totally. And I think like, I think back then there just weren't as many people like betting like professionally and betting to the point where like they were going to be steaming the shit out of the screen. So like, I think there was kind of like an unwritten like rule and just kind of like, okay, like an etiquette of like, okay, we're not going to start like betting the shit out of this stuff until like a lot of off screens come up. But now there's just, there's just so many people betting. There's just so many like punk kids and like so many dudes on Twitter that like, are able to beat like a smaller market, like college basketball totals or like college football totals. And they're like, they don't care. Like, cause they're not benefiting from waiting. So like, they're just throwing out the info and like betting the shit out of it on screen. And like, it just creates like a, like an ultra competitiveness for these, like these smaller markets. It's, it's just wild. Yeah, it is crazy. There are like these crazy moves. It seems like, there are less and less people every day that like come up with the number and are like, I think that this is fair versus the people who are like, I'm tailing this, I'm betting this, this thing's a lock, like this thing's happening. You know what I mean? It seems like there's less and less people that do it. And I wonder if kind of when you started and you're posting on forums and you know, you get connected to something nowadays, if that happened, the person would be like, botting into a thousand accounts like within a month you know what i mean like it would just happen so much faster and people are willing to put a ton of money down on a stranger's opinions because like sometimes the strangers are really good you know (laughs) right yeah and i mean like you know you can you can kind of debate back and forth like what you want to about like closing line value or something but like if someone even posts like a dozen or two dozen like college basketball totals and they get the they get the best of the number on like 90 percent of them like 
that's like you said, that's way more than enough for like some random dude that like has a bot and a bunch of accounts and just be like, okay, I'm betting this dude's Twitter picks. Like, I don't care. Like they seem good enough for me. And like, just the way the information spreads is just like so much quicker than, than it was, you know, like I said, like four or five years ago. And like, the other thing with that too, is injuries. Like, I feel like this college basketball season was just like everyone was just constantly searching player names and like injuries on Twitter until like the news broke. And then it was just a complete rush to the number. Like, whereas like years back, like injuries, like the info was a lot harder to get when Twitter wasn't like as prevalent as it is now. And it was like, if you had injury info on like the big West or, like the Sunbelt Conference, like you could really take advantage of that. But now it's like Twitter's probably going to be the first first source that has it. Some random beat writer is probably going to be tweeting about it. And then people just go absolutely wild on it. And yeah, they're so, so they're so random, like the people who might tweet something. A lot of times when you're searching stuff, especially if you play extra games like I do, is you'll like find the guy's Twitter account, you know, like you'll be on his page <laughs> and he's like, you're trying to like decipher what he means by his tweets. And he's tweeting to these random people about stuff. And I'm like, Hmm, I wonder if he's going to play. <laughs> Cause then some yeah, of the, right. there's just no info, even like before the game starts, there would be no way of knowing on a lot of the like smaller conference stuff. It's pretty crazy in college basketball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how many times this year? I know we had, I know we talked about it, like just messaging back and forth, where like, did players warm up? Like, they had their warm ups on, like they were going to play, and Twitter would tweet, like, so and so is playing. And then uh, they would be in street clothes once the game started. So, like, all this money would come in, like, oh, he's going to play. And then, like, two minutes before game time, like, you would see the number, like, trying to fight back as much as possible and you're like what the hell like what the hell's going on here oh now now a beat writer saying that he's not playing yeah that i feel like that happened with um that guy in michigan a lot uh whatever his name was isaiah something he like would be in yeah, and then it would they'd be reported like oh or he's Limers, in maybe yeah uh, reported that he's in and then three minutes later like he's in a boot on the sideline i'm like who's reporting that he's in and it happened like four <laughs> games in a row. And then the next one, they're like, oh, he's completely healthy. And then he didn't play. You know, was, even in some of the bigger conference stuff, yeah, those injuries were pretty crazy, like stuff moving a lot. I feel like Livers was the one I remember the most because he yeah, seemed Livers like six was, straight games like, in like January or February, like during conference season, like one of the marquee games, big limits, like maybe there's a blue circle on Pinnacle and Livers, like in the last 15 minutes, it's like, heard he was going to play or like Twitter account said this. And like this Michigan beat writer said this. And, you know, you talk to four that, different people, so they've funny. got four different opinions on whether he's going to play um, a future podcast guest time and see, I would like be messaging him about injuries. And he's like, I think like 80% that guy's going to play. And I'm like, I think like 20% and we're, we're looking at the same Twitter feed to determine that, you know? Dude, yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. Like if it, it, like how many people too are like sitting around just like, waiting for that Isaiah livers info, like injury info to break. And then they're just going to go wild. And like, I, I think the same way, like as far as like how markets differ, like the competitiveness and like, if you're waiting, like, cause I, I've had a lot of college football sides. That's probably like my biggest edge and like main market that I kind of try to attack. And like, it, it's just funny because 
Like if I'm sitting here and a game's like seven and a half or eight and like I'm waiting for like a seven, like I just kind of giggle to myself because I'm like, there's probably two dozen people out there waiting for this seven to hit. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's just like, yeah. And like, I don't like, I'm not at the point, like, like the, the place I definitely need to like improve is like <laughs> my, my automation and like my automation and botting. So like, either someone's going to head fake it down to like the seven or even six and a half, or like the second it does for some reason hit the seven, like they're just firing away. And you're just like, this is, this is yeah. absurd. Like, the, <laughs> like, this is my life. Like I'm just sitting <laughs> around waiting for games to like move on to the three or like off the three to like get down on it. And like, you know, the second it happens that there's going to be like a bunch of, a bunch of other sharps, like doing the same thing. It's just, it's just really funny and like kind of opens your eyes to like just how many people are doing this and how many yeah. people are doing it like at a high level. It's so funny because um, when we're talking sometimes or chatting about a number, I think because like we usually seem to be on the same ish page or go about similar processes, but sometimes you'll be like, oh, I'm waiting for a seven on that. And I am always just like, what are you talking about? There's no chance a seven is coming. But I think it's just because I'm from like, I don't know the good old days when people just waited on stuff. I'm used to like just everything right. getting obliterated yeah. instantly. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like it might be there for a second, maybe, <laughs> but it's going to be and, gone fast. You know, like, right. And and more and more in college, it's just like, I'm, I'm not even sure like key numbers is a, like a thing in college, but like, like one of, like one of my best skills and like one thing that I've, like, I feel like is important in this is just kind of like being able to analyze the market and like understand like, how sharps bet and which way lines are going to move that like i kind of like developed the theory that like if if you like to play at seven and it's like seven and a half like the seven's probably going to come eventually like whether it's because some idiot out there likes the seven and a half or that that someone's going to head fake it down and, and get it there and you know when the head fake comes like you then got to kind of have the technology and the betting process or, you know, however you're getting down on games to kind of beat them to it because it's not going to last, last too long, but man, it, it's become such a damned if you do damned, if you don't think like the, there's plenty of times that I like pass a game at three and a half because I'm like, ah, maybe it's not like as big as an edge as I want. And the three's probably going to come. And before you know it, it's three and a half or it's like four and a half, five. And you're just like, like what like why did i not just bet that at three and a half like like you know so that that happens quite frequently in these markets um, yeah that's such a fine line to do too because especially when you're not betting at post like i'm a professional better but i'm not doing most of my betting right at post you know i'm trying to get down before then you just don't like you don't know if a, a better number is going to come up because sometimes you know if you're betting this 30 hours before the game for a college football game or, you know, even 60 hours or something, there still is a chance like stuff goes crazy and it, it might go to two half, you know, like some tout Dr. Bob might right. release it and it goes the other way. So right. there, yep. there's definitely a huge benefit to waiting, even when you miss them, like unless it's within an hour of post, like I feel like waiting is almost always better, even when they go against yeah. it a lot. Cause sometimes they don't or things seem over move. I feel like the, in the college football market, especially there's like a few touts out there that are really actively moving the numbers that I feel like sometimes stuff just kind of moves around a lot. I know like between like touts and like possible head fakes and stuff, like 
some, sometimes it is better to just kind of wait a little bit. Like I, I can remember last year, uh, like I knew when the better IQ guys were going to release their plays and they were all like steaming the games enough. Like sides were at least moving a half a point, if not more. And like, if I wanted to bet like the opposite side, like I can remember specifically wanting to bet air force against army and the line was like 14 and a half and I'm like 14 and a half. Oh yeah. Maybe even 15. I remember this and I game. wanted like a, yeah. And I wanted like a 13 and a half yeah. like minimum 14. And then like, I would literally just sit at my computer screen and be like, please release army. Please release I army. Know. Please release <laughs> army. And he like, did. The army would come and you're, yeah, he did. And I would just be like, <laughs> messaging all the people that i work with and stuff like go go now go now they're like is it good at 13 i'm like anything less than 14 just go just go like, yeah so it's it, it's you know you it, and didn't you know, air force air force won that game by like four right i'm pretty sure army covered yeah oh yeah yeah i think i like i had anything from like 12 and a half to like 14 and it closed like 15 and a half. Yeah. No, it closed. Spots. I think it closed 16 half. Cause I think I had 13 yeah. or 13 and a half or something. And I was like, this is such a good bet, but I know that Eddie Walls is going to win, you know, cause they just all won last year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you can never lay this number on two service academies playing each other. Line moves two points against them and uh, it wins. But yeah, but yeah, all that, all that stuff is like good info. Like even if you're not like, I, I don't, I don't really bet anything blindly, like anyone's info, but like, it's, it's good to know, like what services are steaming stuff and when are they playing? And, you know, like, is there a chance that this is going to move? And it's, you can, it's funny. Cause like, I'll make, I'll make some plays early in the week and then I'll put together a list of like, okay, if this hits this number, like I'll play it. And there's so many times that I have games on my list that I'm like, there's, oh, there's no way that this game is going to get to six and a half, and there's no way this game is going to get to seven. And then there it is, some better IQ dude played it, and you're just like, oh, my God, like this is actually going to get there. So, like, it, it's definitely good to know when, you know, when some of these talents that are steaming stuff are playing. It's it's valuable info to, to have for sure. And, man, that, that's like another thing that seems like so much different from now, from when I first started, like – this last college football season, it seemed like anyone that was moving the market was just a towel. Like that, that if something was steaming during the week, like you could hone in on what tout service it was or like what random Twitter guy like happened to be like steaming plays. And then like come Saturday, the screen is just like, it seems like it's just like a lot less quiet. Like the games that move like less than 10 minutes before start and just like get the shit steamed out of them. Like I call that mob money because it's like, who are these dudes? Like how much money are they betting that they're waiting like 10 minutes before kickoff to just go wild? They're like triple or quadruple hitting penny. Like you can tell from the line history and like the, the amount of games that get that type of mob money seem like so fewer from when I first got into this. And I'm like, is that because like Walters has been locked up for however many years he's been like, cause I always just assumed that was him or his group, but I'm like, surely his people are still like, surely his cronies are still out there like betting stuff. Like, but maybe they're just going about it a little differently than they did when he was like running the show. And then it's like, maybe edges just aren't still there on Saturdays. Like they were like when I first got into this, but I think that definitely seems like, I mean, I feel like that's mostly a function. I don't think it's, 
I think just when you get to that level, the end boss level, if you will, um, I think you're just always betting everything the hour before that you don't even look at a game until an hour before. That's what I feel yeah. like. Because if you're like, I always think when Favre is like, uh, or when other people are like, I bet NBA and college basketball and NFL and NHL and college football, it's like, you wouldn't have time to look at everything. Cause I've always thought that would be nice too about like, it would suck betting at post because it's really hard, but it would be nice because so much of the work that I do is not really necessary. It's like, well, I want to have my numbers ready by the time like this thing happens or this book opens because I want to possibly be able to fire if the numbers off. But if you're only betting in the last hour, just because you can only bet as much as you need at that time, or you're doing so much shit, you uh, just do it in the last hour. It kind of frees you up to be like, I don't need to look at that now. Like I'll focus on that in totally, 12 hours totally. or whatever. So I think that the moves might just be someone with a bankroll that's 10 or a hundred X years is doing the same thing you're doing. Like, Oh, I have 13. Why is it like 16 and a half or why is it 17? And I don't think it's necessarily like they waited all week. They're just like, I'm just going to blast any edge. I think I have. I, I agree. And like, and with that, like kind of along with that, like, you know, like, you can like measure your closing line value, but in like if you play a game on Monday and it and it moves, say like right after you bet it Monday, or say it moves on Tuesday and like now it's out of range for you or whatever, and you get like one point or one and a half points of closing line value on Monday, like a move on Monday, I feel like those plays are just weaker than if you played something Monday and then it sits there like all week and you're like, okay, why hasn't this moved? But then, like, 15 minutes before kick, like, the shit just gets steamed out of it. Like, late steam just seems like it's so much stronger. And, and you can go back and analyze that stuff. Like, I, I don't really do too much with that. But, like, late steam to me always seems so much stronger than, like, early steam. It, it's, it's weird kind of how that happens. But it's, like, sometimes I would prefer my plays to just, like, sit there all week and then, like, I don't know if it's like Favre or like whoever it is, just like skull, skull fucks it on screen. And you're like, let's go. Like, no way this is going to lose. Like, it, it's just funny how like right. late season <laughs> just seems super strong. And then, yeah. then it ends up losing and you're like, oh, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the steam stuff is. Yeah, I feel like I'm always fading steam stuff where I usually don't bet stuff that it doesn't happen to me that often where like my I've noticed my stuff getting like skull fucked in the clothes. Maybe that just means my college football sucks. Um, but I, I, yeah, so I don't really have an opinion on that. Like you say that and I believe it, but I haven't really witnessed it. I've never really seen what moves a bunch of the clothes. What would you consider moving a bunch of the clothes? Like if a side moved a, a point and a half or something or a point? Yeah, probably like a point, point and a half. Um, I would consider that a lot. Total, maybe like, two points, maybe a little more. Yeah. Um, but Some like of that really, stuff really gets really, moved. Like really to me, it's like stuff that like, there's like, I feel like there's almost two different types of steam. Like there's like on-screen steam where like, you'll see like bet online will move and you know, like Penny and Chris of course are moving, but then there's like steam that like, everywhere in Vegas is taken off. Like the, your entire, like the entire screen is just lit up. And like, I just have the, th like the theory that that's like a very sophisticated group. That's just like literally like pounding everywhere, like at the same exact time that like the screen is just like 
Vegas is going nuts. Everywhere's going nuts. As opposed to like, if like a better IQ guy or like some talent like releases a play, like I don't think like the whole, like Chris will probably steam, Penny will probably steam. Some of the stuff that copies it might like slowly steam along with it, but it it doesn't seem to just cause that same like jump in the screen. Like it, Yeah, it's they're totally different. It's like, I think because the, the better IQ one's just happening so early in the week that everyone's just kind of waiting for it. I feel like stuff will gap, you know, like it'll total be 57, they'll release under, and then it'll just like kind of instantly be 55 or like you might even see 54 half or something. And it happens pretty right. quick because there's no money being risked on it. You know, there's like one dude, Eddie Walls bets it or whatever, and then a couple people tail it. And then someone tails it on bookmaker and then someone bets it on bet online. And then it's not, it's too high in pinnacle. So they bet that. And then all of a sudden it's like moved with maybe like 10 K <laughs> having been bet on it. Whereas that stuff right, at the yeah. end, I mean, you're right. The amount of money you can bet on college football sides at close is maybe instead of 10 K it's like 10 million, you know, like just getting down on this game. Oh, like for sure, any yeah. number it's... under 14, just go, you know, kind of the air force thing you said. Yeah. Yeah, totally. It's like, it's like that late steam, like they have a sophisticated process where they're like steaming it everywhere. And like when one of those tout services release it, it's just because they have like 50 subscribers that are literally all trying to bet it at freaking Pinnacle or Chris, like whatever it may be. Yeah, exactly. And those are the things that I feel like those always trickle back. You know, it's like it, it, the most CLV you have is like four minutes after the bet. Like it's only going to get worse from there. Like the best part of your betting was the zero to four minutes <laughs> after release. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. And I, I mean like that, that's kind of interesting. You brought that up because like, I'm kind of like w- once we get to the Twitter segment, I'll get a little more into the, the people <laughs> that are against that are against closing line value. But like, it, it's kind of a thing that I'm like, I don't think markets are a hundred percent efficient, but like, I think, like if you're originating and you're like not an end boss or whatever, like I think you kind of want to assume that they are um, just because there's like so many talented people out there betting. Like I know there's a lot of people that kind of have the theory that like if you're steaming stuff on screen, like whether it's because you're betting it or whether it's because of like a service is releasing it or like whether just like you're betting into accounts that like, the agents are like smart and they're like, Oh, this dude's sharp. Like let's bet this shit out on screen. Like the second it hits our account, like that they'll kind of say that you can have like inflated closing line value, which like, I think it's like an, like an interesting thing because like, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, and a lot of people have this theory, like if a, like a, like a well-known service, say like a Raz or like Dr. Bob, like who's, who like, I think he's like personally like, or someone that like, he knows like literally like triple taps, like Chris or Penny with his releases just to like cause a bunch of steam. Like it's crazy, but it's like, it's like, that must be the case because when Dr. Bob releases stuff, you know, RAS, it's like, okay, I understand why it's moving. These guys win a million units every year. Dr. Bob, I'll see a side move. I'll be like, Hey, what do you think about this one? And someone will be like, Oh, Dr. Bob just released the other side. I'm like, who is listening to Dr. Bob? I thought he's been like outed as an idiot for like the last decade. <laughs> I can't believe that he still yeah. moves it, but maybe he hires someone to like, hey, hit the $500 right, max I mean, on screen three times. It'll move a point. Right, People exactly. will be like, 
I got to subscribe for the market influence. It's it's pretty cheap to move a Tuesday college football side, you know? Totally, totally. And so like people will say like, maybe you're creating your own closing line value or maybe it's inflated. And I'm, I'm just kind of like, you know, I, I, I don't know if I necessarily buy that just because like when Dr. Bob releases a side, if people disagree with it, like they're literally getting in line to fade his ass. Like, it's just like, like my theory is just kind of like, yeah, your stuff might like bleed onto screen or like if you're a service, it might like really move the number a lot. But like, I just think the market's going to be quick and kind of like creating it. That Like if you moved a college football side that was minus five to like minus seven, like if it's not supposed to be at the seven, like, there's going to be someone out there with money that's going to come back the other way and, you know, like push yeah. it back closer to the release number or just like completely obliterate it. Now it's four and a half and you look like the world's biggest idiot release a minus five. Like it's just, I just think there's just like so many people out there that like know what they're doing and are just like waiting for these services to like move the number to a place that it shouldn't be. And then like, if that doesn't happen, like if the resistance doesn't come, like you release a five and it moves to seven and maybe even seven and a half and it sits there, then I, I just think it's like safe to assume that you are right. Like that, that was actually a good play. And that, so like, I, like I, I hear people, I hear people all the time say like inflated closing line value, or you're just betting on loft that it's creating yourself. And like, I, I just don't necessarily believe that that's a thing because like, if you are steaming it and it gets to a point that it shouldn't be like, someone's going to come back the other way and, and kind of move it back to where it should be. So, yeah, I mean, um, I think that's the I, thing. I with, think that's interesting. Yeah. The thing with CLV is like, you don't have to think it's good or bad. You just have to know that what no CLV means is that me and you and the other professional betters we know who like I am looking at the college basketball screen all day long. If a number goes to where I think it's positive EV, I bet it and I move the market. So if you don't have CLV, there are a lot of pros that are not betting the number that is right there. So they don't think you have edge. That's the only thing it means. So maybe you're smarter than them, but maybe you're not. And they've been doing it for a long time. And none of them think your bet is good because otherwise the number would move, you know? And it could be that maybe your bet is okay. Maybe it's like a 2% ROI bet. And they're like someone with a slightly more accurate model might be just staying away from it because it's too low ROC or something. They're like, well, you know, I think this is good, but I'm just going to pass it for whatever reason. Maybe then you wouldn't get CLV, but just recognize that there are at least you know dozens of people that are looking at numbers all day every day and if it ever if any of them ever move to where they think it's plus ev they're betting it and they're usually moving so yeah you yeah, could be I, right I but you're probably not <laughs> right yeah and you know like that's one thing that like if someone wins over like a couple hundred plays or something and they're not really beating the close like you'll kind of hear them argue like, well, maybe, maybe I'm finding an edge that like others are. And like, my first thought is like, first that like kind of one that like wants to make my brain bleed because I'm like you, so like you really think you're finding an edge that someone that has like infinitely more money than you from betting sports, like isn't finding, like, it just like, I just think that's like extremely unlikely. Like maybe it could be like a qualitative edge, like that you would have like, I don't even, I can't even think of like a scenario, like maybe you knew someone that was like 
that worked for like a college basketball team. It was like giving you insight, like this dude's not going to play, but like, and then, then like before anyone else would know or like would know, but it's like, that's going to be such a small amount of games compared to like the high volume that you're betting, like through a season that like, you're still going to want closing line value as an average overall. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, like the other thing is like it's not going to be long before other people have a hold of that info like that they know that qualitative edge and like in the event if you're somehow able to like keep it to yourself over like a high volume like you have some qualitative edge that like no one else knows about and like it's like a big edge like then you're going to get rich and start moving the lines yourself or you're going to be betting places that people are like, wow, this dude's a winner. And like, they're going to be betting that info out on screen. So it's like, you are going to eventually get your closing line value, like in the long term. And like, that's like, I think that's where like a lot of people whiff on the closing line value thing is they're just like constantly thinking short term with it, where it's just kind of like, yeah, you want this like over the long haul to ensure that you're kind of like playing the right stuff and playing stuff that's like sharp. Yeah. I think the, I think you can get into scenarios like with three-man weave and NROP in college basketball where people who clearly have like at least a small qualitative edge, like when you read the NROP reports, it's like this guy very, he understands basketball really well and he's thinking about really cool stuff that is beyond what I'm thinking about and I'm making money doing this professionally. But they also have no clue how to price a game. So they might be hitting like 51% or 52% or something because they do have a little bit of an edge and sometimes they're right that the coach is going to go slow or these defenses mesh in this certain way but for the most part they don't have any edge and are just running good which is why you see things like three-man weave i mean they released what in 2019 and had like success and then released 2020 had success and then they started moving lines like a point you know it was early in the day but at 9 a.m right, on right, college exactly, basketball sides they exactly. were moving on a point and i'm fading everyone and that's like how that sort of stuff can happen because their record was insane. You know, they were up like 50 units or they were hitting like 15% ROI for the first 200 picks. But when you don't have yeah. edge, that doesn't yeah, that... last. Like once you get to 10,000 picks, like the, you can't just run good, you know? Yep. I totally, that's a, that was a great, great example of it. It was like, it's just like good info is not going to stay quiet for long. So like, if you do have a qualitative edge, like, that for some reason no one else has like it, it's not going to be long before it's like in the market and it's like moving the market like one way or another right so, and you're always telling people in the market too like one of the bad things about the market is that the lines move and someone can learn like oh if i'm off on this and it's moving why like you can teach yourself like oh how do i move with the market um so it's one of those things that yeah it'll get picked up and even if you do have that qualitative edge, maybe there's someone like me who's an idiot reading the NROP stuff. And I'm like, interesting, maybe I can incorporate that, incorporate that. And all of a sudden now it is quantified in the market, you know? Yep. 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 For sure. And like that, like qualitative edges are interesting to me because I'm not like, I'm not a really big, like I wouldn't consider myself a qualitative handicapper. Like I kind of like the way I originate and like my process is like, I think there's like three parts to it. Like there's the quantitative side, which in my opinion is like the most important. Like if you have really good math, I you're gonna win. Like you might not win as much as someone that has really good math and really good qualitative analysis, but 
you're you're definitely going to get by and so like i think quantitative there's qualitative and then i think there's like kind of like the market analysis like part where like you want to understand like when a line might move into a better range like to get a better number or like how are the pros going to bet or like what kind of stuff do they like to bet on and like to me like like i don't know how you like do it and i know everyone's kind of like different like some some handicappers are just purely qualitative and i think those guys are like they're like always operating very early in the season like because they're like qualitative i would consider like interpreting news and like player info and like injuries and whatnot so like i think a lot of qualitative injuries you're like you're gonna find er like early in the season whereas opposed to like later in the year unless it's like an injury or like you have like a read on a coach like is gonna change his style like before the market does like it's gonna be really hard to like win solely on having like a like a qualitative style of handicapping at as the year goes on whereas like if you're quantitative i think like i think like the way i kind of look at myself and like my numbers and like my process like if my numbers are getting better as the year goes on and like my closing line value is getting better as the year goes on like to me that's like a sure sign that you have the nuts like that your math is like really strong and like you're in a sense like out modeling the market you know that like and so like that's how that's kind of like how i operate in college football is like i like to build like i like to get a couple weeks of data like in before like i start betting whereas like qualitative dudes are like betting every game over that the coach is a new offensive coordinator that wants to go faster or like whatever it may be like and it's like you know they probably win and and like but that's just not how i operate like i like to get like couple weeks worth of data in there and like i use qualitative analysis more so to keep me off plays early in the year like maybe i'll show a side but like i'll be like oh yeah i show this side but they lost three wide receivers and four of their starting offensive linemen like i could be a little short on on this number like so let's let's pass that where you know other people are using their qualitative edges to just like full out bet early in the year um like once I get like two or three weeks or four weeks of data, you know, then it's just kind of like a matter of just like trusting the numbers and, and like firing away on that. Like I, historically I find that like November college football is like my best, my best market, I would think. Whereas like someone that's a qualitative edge is, is like already doing college basketball come November, you know? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I started doing college basketball in November and it was hard this year doing both of them. It definitely made me suffer in each. I just thought that I needed to do it. Maybe the market's tougher now where it's harder to do both of them. But um, yeah, those qualitative edges. Yeah, it's you just have to like be able to quantify it. You know? And it's really hard to be able to quantify everything because there's a lot of special situations. But people like Eddie Walls that are like, oh, you, you, you can't play under here. Like if you ever think you can't do one side or the other of a two-sided market, you are not going to be an end boss. You're not going to be ever very good at this game, you know? Right, right. And, you, you know, if you like, if you can't, like if you're not really good at math, like or if you don't have great models, like you can use qualitative edges and just be like, there's no way the market's pricing this like good enough. Like, but that takes like a lot of experience and like kind of like, 
understanding like how the markets work. And like I said, like you can get by on that stuff, maybe the first couple weeks of college basketball in November, but like once it's already baked into the market that Wyoming's playing faster this year, like then like then what are you gonna do? Like if you can't qualify, like if you can't quantify it appropriately, like how do you know the edge is still there like three weeks into the season or whatever it may be, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think you see this to some extent with RAS. I mean, it could just be luck, but it seems to me like most of their football and basketball plays are driven primarily by qualitative info that is very good, and they do know how to put a number to it, but it seems like they always crush the beginning of the season and always do bad at the end of the season. Like, the, th- the, three, sure. the three years I've been involved in sports betting, like, it has happened like clockwork every year, you know? Like, just print money the first three weeks, and then get destroyed in February type thing. For sure. And like, I think that's like kind of what we were talking about earlier was like markets are like more sophisticated with injuries. Like if a, if a player, if a college basketball player is like get a star player gets injured in like a Thursday game and now the Saturday lines up and he's not playing, like if you don't have any math sense, you have no way of knowing like, is this opener like with him playing or is this opener like assuming that he is playing? Like, so it, it, it's just harder because the market's gotten like a lot sharper knowing. So it's like, if, if you don't know what the fair is and the market has adjusted for said player to be not playing and you play it to like assume that he's not playing, then you're just making, you're like kind of playing a coin flip. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, you can't win, obviously. And no one does. They, sure. they win for a little bit. You know, there's, I, when right. I was in college, I was like tailing NROB, you know, and I would see, I, that, this is like right when I was, I was betting the stuff that was cheating and winning and then trying to, you know, tail some people or try some other stuff. And I was monitoring lines a tiny bit. And NROB would like, you know, he would kind of move lines it was like kind of crazy, you know, like he would not always, and it was not like RAS or Eddie Walls were very consistent, always moving, but a lot of times stuff was like moving on his release, you know, which is insane when you think about it, because I mean, what, the guy has just no chance of having edge, you know, lost just millions yeah, right, and millions right. of units. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's crazy what people will get down on. And I think it's because a lot of people that control the money in sports betting, um, don't really make very good numbers themselves. It's more like, well, this guy said this and this guy said this and like, I think it's good. And it's always risk, you know, like there's a chance you're wrong. It's, it's always risk. Right. Right, for sure. Yeah, if you, like, if you're relying solely on the qualitative stuff, like you have to, you just have to develop experience and like know that, okay, it's it's probably time to get out. And I think that's something like we've talked about RAS. Like, I think they're pretty good at, like understanding like because when I was first getting into this like their college football season would end like after eight weeks so they could focus on college basketball and get ready for you know all the first you know that first month of November college basketball betting so you know if you're going to rely on qualitative you could probably get by and make some money but you just you have to have a lot of experience and you you just have to know kind of like okay this edge is probably up and the further the season goes on, it's going to get harder and harder to to know that um, if you're not able to set a number on it. Yeah. Um, 
what else what else we got here um i although i do think that now that i like do more of the quantitative stuff like i would say most of my most of the way that i approach stuff is incredibly quantitative where i usually don't even know that much about what i'm betting on um i think the qualitative side is like a lot harder to do well which makes it a more interesting avenue i feel like quantitative stuff is so easy that I can make a decent number that can beat openers in probably any market, knowing nothing. But winning on, say, like Thursday in college football sides even is a lot harder than winning on Mondays. And the sorts of like quantitative edges you might show, like you might just be wrong. And I feel like having a lot of qualitative knowledge can help either inform the model or inform um, like which sides you're betting on. Because it, the, the quantitative stuff just seems so easy, and the market kind of agrees on it for the most part. It kind of sounds like why when an NBA game, everyone knows who's going to play, and there's no new news. It's like the fairest market in the world. People are willing to take anything you want to bet on it 15 minutes before a post. I think the quantitative stuff is just usually not that hard once you can account for it. But figuring out what you should account for or new stuff to account for that sort of like creativity side, not so much, maybe it's not the qualitative side, but the creativity side is like the only thing that matters for moving from like a professional Tuesday better to a professional Thursday or Friday better. And then I assume right. to moving to a professional one hour before post better. Yep. Yep. Like if you have like really good quantitative and your qualitative is also really good, like to the point that you're like, adjusting you know making manual adjustments to your model based off your qualitative like analysis like you know I, maybe in baseball you're like oh well this this pitcher's you know started throwing a new pitch or like he's throwing harder he's getting mo more movement that like you're able to then like go into your model and tweak like rating for said pitcher like that's when you're like that's when you're starting to get really like really good like if you have the quantitative side figured out to where you can like modify and change your number based off all these like high level qualitative like opinions that you're like forming. That's when it's, I think that's when you start like uh, trending toward end boss, end boss status. Right. The end boss status. <laughs> it's funny when I was, um, <laughs> I was recording a podcast yesterday with spoon that will um, have posted by the time this one posts. And I got a message from a scoot, a previous podcast guest, and he said, um, TBWC bingo, you said end boss like 10 minutes into the episode. And I was like, <laughs> wow, I guess I say end boss a lot or no one else does. The, the way that I heard that term is from Olivier Bousquet, who is like a poker player. And I think it refers to like video games where there's like a series of levels and then there's the last level and there's the last person you need to defeat um i think that's like what the term comes from but i'm not much of a video game player so not sure if i'm doing it justice yeah, yeah i think uh, i don't know what video games you used to play or if ever but once the ncaa football game went down i i pretty much packed it in i haven't had i don't think i've had a sit like a gaming system since they stopped making that game um i did I've played NCAA football 2005 with Larry Fitzgerald on the cover. It's like the only game <laughs> yeah, I've Fitz. ever played for more than like 
three hours, maybe like three hours of lifetime playing. I got it. My grandma asked me what I wanted for Christmas when I was whatever, you know, a kid. And I was like, I don't know, like a, a video game or something. And my mom was like, oh yeah, he likes sports. And she got me like this NCAA 2005 uh, <laughs> video game. And it kind of had like an interesting soundtrack, you know? And I was like, oh, this is kind of fun. And I played a, a tiny bit, but I'm not much of a video game guy. Yeah. Well, too busy on the golf course hustling, hustling people <laughs> for their money and whatnot. I mean, the golf course <laughs> stuff is crazy too, because it was almost... Like I would get kicked out. I would get stiffed and booted from accounts on the golf course the same way, you know, because there would be certain formats of like putting contests that were, you know, weird payout structures and kind of difficult to determine if you were positive or negative EV in it. And people were like, well, I'm not going to really think about it all that much. And it seems like I'm a winner. So there'd be a lot of games where it was like everyone thought they were a winner, these big like 10 person contests. And you could like, cause in sports betting, it's kind of one-on-one -on -one. it's like the better in the bookie and one of them's winning and one of them's losing. But in, in these multi person contests, you, where you can finish fourth and get rich and like be okay and like do well, people have a hard time discerning that like, I can't win in this game. Cause it's so easy to think, Oh, well, sure. These guys are better than me, but I can still be the fourth best or something. Um, yeah. So I would get, banned from like all these putting contests and <laughs> different games and stuff and people are like we're just not playing anymore um <laughs> <laughs> that's funny stuff yeah yeah i mean hey those golf those golfers have a lot of money to burn so you might as well collect off on my yeah it, it's really crazy because we would caddy for guys who they'd play like a five dollar nassau and like i've caddied for guys who are like the ceo of like I grew up in the Chicago area, there's a lot of really rich dudes at country clubs. You caddy for a guy who's making, you know, he's worth $500 million and he's playing a $5 right. NASA, which is like, maybe he loses $15 <laughs> at max. And I'm there like a freshman in high school. Like me and my friends played for like $1,800 yesterday. Like this is insane. And we're all broke, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, that's funny. Um, so the main sports you're betting are football right now. Were you like a big football fan beforehand? Do you think you, do you know a lot about football? Will you be watching the games and like, man, this Texas team sucks. Like I can't bet them next week unless the number is really good. Or I really got to knock down my rating here. Or, oh, this, this injury looks like it's killing them. Do you casually observe stuff like that? Um, in, in college football and maybe in NFL, I would say, yeah, like I'm, I'm able to, like I've all, like, I can remember like in high school, like Saturday, like Saturdays, like hoping my friends would not like hit me up to hang out. Cause it's just like, I just want to sit in front of the TV and watch like as many football games as possible. Um, and so like, I've always like, I've always kind of like been able to watch a football game and like, kind of tell what's going on like defensively and offensively like I, I've always like told my parents and stuff like if, if it wasn't for sports betting like maybe my like other like job would be like being like an offensive coordinator in football or something um so yeah like I'm doing that in football um and so like kind of like we just talked about like the quantitative qualitative like if you're able to like combine those two is when it like gets pretty powerful um, like I am doing that in college football, but then like college basketball, like I, I, I just don't have that. Like, you know, like you might be able to set a number on a college basketball game, but 
maybe that this coach runs some sort of defense and this team's offense is always struggles versus those types of defense. Like I'm just always missing that part, that part of it. So it's like, and that kind of shows in like the edges and like the results in the sports, like across the board. And so like, yeah, college football is a sport that, you know, you can't watch every game and, you know, there's, there's, you can't, have every bit of info on every bit of team, but like I, I would say that I'm trying to find as much as much possible as much as possible like qualitative info that I'm then able to like uh, confidently like tweak my number on or whatever. Whereas like college hoops, I really have no clue. It's just like here's what I make fair, and I'm gonna bet the over because I show a four or five percent edge or whatever it is, but. You know, then then it moves down like two points, and you're like, like, what the heck's going on? And it's like, well, this team sucks dick against a zone defense or something. And it's like, damn, like I just like I have, I have no idea about that stuff. So it's yeah, like that's... I can get by in college hoops because like my math's like decent, but I'm lacking like that subjective, like fundamental handicapping part that uh, you can kind of. Yeah applied to your math, I guess. I think the subjective handicapping part is the hardest. It's hardest to recreate in college basketball because so many guys play one year. There's no data on anyone. There's so few games. It's more of like, do you understand how the game works? And the casual fan sees it better than the better because it just happens so quickly. And it's kind of weird. I feel like the reason RAS has just had so much success in college basketball is because those sorts of inefficiencies can't go away because they're always happening. There's always freshmen coming up. There's always some guy who's injured. There's always someone who maybe he grew three inches from his freshman to sophomore year. Like, And there's so many teams that it's the perfect market for someone with a qualitative edge. And that's why I think you see three-man weave and NROP show up is because the people that do really well in college basketball are mostly like you and me who you know, we, we're trying our best and we kind of make a number, but we don't really know that much about basketball. Um, it, it's always hard like to make those adjustments properly and because they're always changing. I know like the guy I know who does really well in college basketball is a super, super qualitative approach. It's very like RAS of trying to determine like what might the market be missing. Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting market and it kind of speaks to how like every market in sports betting is significantly different. Like the approach for them yeah, all for is, sure. is similar, but like college basketball, how you become great is completely different than how you become great at college football and probably different than NBA or NHL or whatever, you know, or NFL or some other sport. Yep. Yep. No doubt. Um, what do you want to go to next? See. What should we talk about? Do you want to, we could do degenerate stories or we could move on to the gambling Twitter part. Yeah. Of let's things. do degenerate stories. Okay, so, like, I don't, like, once you, like, kind of, like, figure out, like, how to beat the game, like, I don't have, like, you know, like, within the, like, I guess just, like, the whole time I've been doing this is, like, my sole income. Like, I don't have many, like, degenerate, like, stories and as far as, like, doing stupid shit with a lot of money. Uh, but, like, I will say, like, I'm a t total degenerate to, like, the process, like, the amount of times that I'm checking like the Don Best screen or like seeing what the lines are on the games that I have already bet and whatnot, it's just like 
absolutely insane. Like if I wake up in the middle of the night to piss, like there's a hundred percent chance, like I'm checking the Donbass screen to see like where the numbers at, like, have they moved? Right. Like am I picking <laughs> up any line value or whatever? Like, and I don't like everyone, everyone has their take on like sweating games, but like, I definitely like, I'm not even afraid to admit it. Like on college football Saturdays, like I'm, I'm definitely sweating the shit out of every game that I have. Like I'm, I'm going to watch it from like start to finish and, have several TVs going and have my computer going and like enough to the point that like the, like the marquee Saturday night games, like LSU and Auburn, like they're both top five. And my buddies are like, man, that game was nuts. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. I was watching like air force play Colorado state because I had like a bet on it or whatever. So like, I, I would consider myself like just like a, like a sweating game degenerate and just like a checking Don best, like to the point that like, games are over for the day, but I'm like, so like, I do it so much habitually that I'm like still pulling my phone out at the bar and like hitting refresh. And I'm like, I don't even have any more games to sway. And like lines aren't going to come out until like Sunday afternoon. Like, what am I, what am I even doing? When you are like on a Tuesday at one o'clock, like just kind of nothing's really happening. You're quote at work. Are you like looking at Don Best all day then? Are you working on your numbers? Are you like watching something? Like, what do you do all day? You seem like most of the other betters I talk to seem like they're kind of doing what I do, where we like kind of have our number, we're searching for news and are just like constantly looking at the screen. Are you the exact same way? You kind of seem a little bit more, you might have gone to do a project for two hours or you went to like go think for a little bit. You seem a little bit more aloof. Um, yeah, it, 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 I think it, I think it just depends on like where, where things are at as far as like what plays I can add, you know, like where the lines are sitting and, and whatnot. But like, I guess like once I have my college football, like down early in the week, then it's just a matter of like putting, putting together like a list of like potential ads, like, okay, if this number moves here, I'm going to bet this. And then it's like, Maybe I'm moving on to like potential derivatives. Like, is there going to be a, a any situation where I'm going to prefer to play the first half line as compared to the game, or like I don't I don't know if you still do team totals at all. Like, I can get down. I've actually never on, done like, a team total, which is crazy. But I've I've never bet it once. So like I might move on to that. Like you know, dick around with college football team totals like during the week, but. Yeah, I would I would say it's like kind of like a mix of what you said you're doing and then just kind of like moving on to like different types of bets like outside the full game sides and totals or like I'm doing NFL or like whatever it may be. Um that was like that was like kind of a struggle for me when I was getting into this and taking it seriously cuz like my my friends are just like total degenerates. Like they just love to party and go out. So it was just like always difficult to find that fine line of like uh like friday night before like a 130 game schedule of college hoops it's like i don't know if i should go out and and take a bunch of shots and like party all night and then still be drunk when i wake up the next morning and like have to bet all this stuff so like that was one thing that i kind of had to like find like mature and like kind of like find a balance of but like I, i can remember like several times like Friday nights during college football, like assuming that a number wasn't going to move to like a point where I would bet it. And then I would be at the bar like, oh shit, like 
you know, I, I'm going to have to Uber home because this line's moving and I got to send a bunch of messages to people and I don't have all my accounts on me and whatnot. And like, I wish like one thing that I wish I could like improve is like my automation. And I always say like every year that I need to like really hone in my, my programming and my automation process. And like every year I just win and like, I just don't like do it. Cause I'm like, Oh, I can just keep getting by. Um, but yeah, I would say like I'm around like for the most for the most part I would I would think. Um but uh, so other degenerate stories outside of just like constantly checking lines and so like yeah, a I lot mean, of them I would have I've said that I've said yeah. that on a previous pod episode and I think you said you do it too. I literally on during college basketball season I put my left hand up to the Don Best screen to block the scores and like if I bet on, you know, Michigan, Indiana, Indiana plus four and a half total is 148. I'll be like, okay, like 76 to 72. Michigan's the top team. I hope they have less than 76 points. I look at it <laughs> and then it's like, fuck, they had 83. Okay. So we need 79. Okay. Like, I guess it could have happened. Maybe it was just a fast paced game, you know, maybe it just went over <laughs> and then it's like 58. Fuck. <laughs> and I just like do that. <laughs> All day, every day. <laughs> College basketball is so yeah, brutal, too, because I have action on every game on the board that it's just terrible. You oh, know? my <laughs> God. If you're, if you're betting totals, like, if you're betting, like, an under 128 in college shoots, like, it is. It's painful. Like, you, you probably shouldn't sweat it. But, like, there you are checking the score, and you're like, there's no way this is going to win. Like, it, it's on, like, 80 at halftime, and you're like, there, there's it's literally impossible for this to win. But, like, you see some just, like, epic stall outs in college hoops, and you're like – holy crap, this one or like the complete opposite. Like you have the over and you need like eight points with like four or five minutes left in the game. And you're like, how did that, like, how the fuck did that not go over? Like, it's just like you, you drive yourself mad doing it, but like, I can't, I can't not do it. So like there I am constantly checking scores like a dumbass. but that's just. Yeah. And it's, it's so tilting too, because I'm like, this is such a waste of time. There's no point in doing this. This is just a mental psychological weakness of mine and <laughs> right, yet yeah, right, here we yeah. are <laughs> totally, totally like the score's gonna be what the score's gonna be but like don't doubt don't tell that to me while i'm like sweating this game like i've like i, I recently started dating this girl and like we would go on dates and like i would uh, like we implemented like a i can't check the score rule so like i'm present but it like it just doesn't last like it just hits the point where i'm like i gotta go to the bathroom and there i am pissing like bringing up the Don Best screen to see what the scores are in the games. And so it's just like, look, you just got to learn to embrace it. This is, this is how it's going to be. I've been doing this for six years. I've tried to not do the sweating of the games, but I just, I can't escape it. So in that regard, I'm, I'm probably one of the, the bigger degenerates there is. Um, how but, often do you um, watch the physical game on TV? Like if you have action on the game, one of the big games of the day, will it be on ESPN on your TV or is the TV off and you're just following the game on Don Best or how are you um, like following like these? More, it, I guess it just depends what's like, what's going on. Like a college football Saturday. Yeah. I'm firing up like as many screens and monitors as I can and like watching the games. Um, you know, but if I like have to go to dinner or like I have, families in town or friends are in town like that i'm just that i'm doing it on the phone like it's 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 usually just situation based like if i'm able to watch it on tv i'm probably watching it on tv 
Um, and if not, then I'm going to peek at my phone as much as I can. Uh, but like I said, it, it's totally ridiculous to be that way. And like, I trust my process and, you know, believe in my edge, like as much as anyone. So it's like, why am I even doing this? Like there's going to be college football weeks where you get your ass kicked and that's how it's going to be. And you watching the games, isn't going to change anything, but you know, there I am sweating every play, uh, maybe dropping some F-bombs if there's like a bad spot with some of the, you know, these, these, uh, these mid-major games that you watch on like ESPN three, I mean, nine yards to get a first down. It's crazy. Like the refs are just, just giving a first down for anything that's close. And I, I'll, I'll be sweating all that. Like, why are they like, what the heck? They're a yard short. Like it's, it's stupid, but that's just how I am. And so, like I said, I just, I just, I just embrace it. You can't, can't do anything else. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, what else did Jen March Madness? Was um, that? What is prom? So I have, so yeah. So like when I was betting in high school, like apply what I just said to that, like just constantly checking the score. So like me and my best friend um, during baseball season would be betting like, you know, we'd be betting baseball and there'd be like a lot of day games. So like during practice, um, we would have games going on. Three or four of our bets would be going on as we're practicing. And like, I can remember like taking infield outfield or like shagging fly balls during batting practice. And I would have like my big clunky smartphone, like in my sweatpants pocket, like pulling it out, like as much as I can. There was like a number you could text. It was like four, four, six, three, six or something like that. You could text it and then it would reply with like what the current score was in the game and like what the current situation was and stuff. So like, I always like laugh about that. Like, there we are during practice and I like have my big clunky smartphone in my pocket. Like I'm more worried about the scores than anything else that's going on. And there was actually a time where like this friend was like the catcher on our high school baseball team. And I pitched and we had like a night game the same time that we had like a dozen like baseball bets going. And like, like in between the innings of like us being in the field, like the first thing I would do when we would get back to the dugout is like, go straight to my like baseball bag and like pull my phone out and just like, I got to see what, like see what the scores are and stuff. Um, and then like the same friend um, would have been around like the same time. I can remember like the night of like senior prom we had, like we just like bet the shit out of everything. Like we had like so many parlays going and like all this shit. And I can remember like us, like beside each other on the dance floor, like slow dancing with our dates and like our hands were like behind their back, like, like normal slow dancing, like position. But we had like our cell phones in our hands, like texting that number to like <laughs> get score updates. And we're just like making eye contact with each other. Like there's no way, ne like neither of us are going to get laid after this. Like there's, there's no chance. Like, but uh, that's the memory <laughs> that always sticks out that it's just like, there we are. Like, can't even be present in the moment, like dancing with a chick. Like we're, we're sweating all of our baseball games. Um, <laughs> That's awesome. And then um, I guess there was like a, another thing, like degenerate moment that like kind of sticks out was like in college when I was like betting and like, I ran really well and like coupled with like the same time I was like figuring everything out. Like, okay. Like you want to beat the market. Like, 
if you bet it at four and it moves to three and a half or three, like that's a really good sign. And like, I randomly did that, like betting through this account, like on like six, on like six plays, like on like a Saturday that like, and, my, and like I build up like enough, like a big enough figure through my, like through like the campus bookie who was like working for someone else that like the actual like bookie that he was working with was like sending me texts like, are, are you working with someone or like, what do you like, what's the deal here? Like, <laughs> this is some sharp, this is like some sharp shit. And really it was just like a fluke. Like I didn't even like, he was like, are you, you're moving money for someone, aren't you? And I'm like, I don't even know what the hell that means. Like moving money, like, and, uh, so in turn, like he set up another account for me to play at. Cause I think he just like, was like so sold on the fact that I was like moving money for someone and like set me up with like another account, but like also gave me like accounts to follow that he claimed was Walter's action. Like, and I have no idea whose action it was, but it was like during college basketball and they were like betting, they were betting so many games. So like I had, I had like a, like a, another bookie that like I hit up and I was like, yo, I'm trying to bet some college basketball games. And like, he gave me like an insane credit line and like was letting me bet like a dime per game. And like, I think I got this account on like a Thursday and from like Thursday to Sunday, like all I did was hit refresh on the, on the Billy Walters account. And like, if a play went in there, like I'd hurry up and go and bet it at the other place. And like most of the time it had moved like a point and a half already, but like, I didn't like at the time, I didn't know. I was just like, I'm betting all this shit. And like, I'm talking like the volume was so high, like Thursday through Sunday was probably like 150, 200 plays. Like they were playing like every total on the board, like every game on the board. And I was like betting out as many as I could. And then like, I just like research, like, reappeared like out of my room like on sunday night and my roommate was just like where the hell have you been all weekend like what were you doing like, <laughs> like, i hardly like i hardly ate like i would get up to piss and like be mad when i came back and like they added like three more plays and i'm like oh god like i gotta hurry up and bet this so like that always just sticks sticks out it's just like i spent like 96 straight hours just like betting out like walters or like it was probably like Raz or Walters was probably moving Raz plays or like, who knows what the hell was even going on. But like all the shit was like super sharp. And I just like for like four days straight, just hitting refresh and then hurry up. We got to bet this refresh, 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 hurry up. We got to bet these. And it was just like, like, this is sick. Like, what is my life right now that I'm doing this? Yeah. I had, um, at the beginning of the 2017 college basketball season, I think it was either 2017 or 2018. Um, I had a login to a couple accounts that were allegedly Walter's group. And I've seen like a lot of sharp accounts in my life and a lot of like insanely winning accounts. This was all college basketball t totals pretty much, probably like 80% totals, 20% college basketball sides. There was no first half, second half stuff, although I'm sure they do that. Um, it was just the full game stuff. And it was like the first day of college basketball until the ninth. And then the account got um, shut down. It was like they were playing every game on the board every day and everything was moving, you know, four points. And it hit like 61% over like 311 <laughs> picks. And it was like legit nine days. You know, it was just every game, every day. 
and they just crushed it. Like nothing I've ever seen before. I was like, holy shit, this, <laughs> this account is sharp. Because the other accounts you see that are sharp, it's like they bet on the Sochi soccer game and they bet, you know, Julio Jones under 84 and a half yards, minus 115. And it's like that sort of shit. But this was just like, yeah, like Michigan yeah. over 131, like Indiana plus three and a half. <laughs> it was just fire. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Just crushing. I, I mean, I don't yeah, know if, if I don't know how real that was. If it actually was Billy Walters, or I don't know what his group looks like now or afterwards. Right. I mean, who knows? I don't. I don't really know. Favre seemed yeah, to. Like my, he made some joke about it one time that like he said Billy was in jail to a Boston tweet, which it kind of seemed to imply that the industry had changed or like things were different now because of that. But I'm not, you know knowledgeable enough to know why that would be the case right yeah it's you know like i'm i'm pretty well connected and that you know i can if i see something steam that like doesn't make sense to me or like i want to i'm considering fading it that i'll like send out some messages like do you know who that was on this or like you know whatever and, and there are there there's groups that are still out there just like betting college football sides late in the week that like no one that i know like knows who it is. So it's like, there's, there's still some like really big groups that are just like laying low, I guess. I have no idea really. Yeah. That's, that's pretty crazy to think that like, but if you just kept everything really private, you know, there are a lot of people who are on Twitter and are on forums, but I'm sure there's as many people or, you know, 50% as many people that just never say a word, you know, that they're like hardcore, you know, gambling Twitter is like, Oh, I don't want to give any info away but they're still on Twitter. It's like, they're probably hardcore people that are like, I'm not giving anything away and I'm never going to talk to anyone ever like sort of crazy stuff. Right. Yep. Um, yeah, what else we got here? Um, let's see. So Jen's stories, Walter's accounts. Should we talk about gambling Twitter? Yeah. Let's go to yeah, gambling I Twitter. It, I, I think it, I think it might be time. Yeah. So, All right, uh, it's time. Yeah. I think I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I think I told you that I originally had like, like ten a list of like ten things that tilted me about gambling Twitter, but right, it's up to more. The yeah, I think I I think I added several from just you know in the last like forty eight hours since I told you. Um, I guess, I guess like like first off like as far as like who I respect on gambling Twitter, like I will say that there's like a lot of people that I know that like bet bet really big and bet like successfully that like have have twitter accounts or like kind of lurk on twitter but like they don't say like they don't say a single word like or anything like a value and then you know obviously we kind of touched on them the seville guys like they're all like super sharp and funny like i love following all those guys i don't know any of them personally but and it's like you're not going to learn like you can follow them on Twitter, you're gonna get more like jokes and like laughs out of like, out of it than stuff like actually learning stuff. Like Diggs and those guys aren't gonna like really say anything of like value. And I mean, I guess that's the way it should be. Like you wanna keep your edge as like closely tied to the chest as possible. Like you don't wanna like tip, cause you know, there's, there's like semi-sharp people or like even sharp people that are like reading the tweets. And if you would even hint at something that's like a potential edge, then it could, you know, the person could take, take it and run with it. And, uh, you know, then 
then you could be screwed. Um, but yeah, so the Seville guys, I love them. They're they're all super funny. Like I, I know how many I of the Seville guys were there. on? How many of the Seville guys did you interact with before Twitter? Were you aware of a few of them on forums? Like when you made the switch to Twitter, Man. did you already know a couple of them, or was it like, what's the Seville thing? You'd also never heard of it. Yeah, no, I I want to say that I I didn't know of any of them until Twitter. Like Groovin. Groovin was like he was all over forum bill and i i think they like they consider him part of seville i i believe and so like he was like really the only one that like i knew prior to like who are these group of like a half dozen to a dozen like just like straight up like anonymous internet trolls that like clearly like know what they're talking about but yeah i didn't like i don't remember them ever like posting on any of the forums, at least that I followed. So. So then how did you get involved with the Siva people? Like, how did you find them? Was it through Groovin was interacting with them and you followed him or you just yeah. kind of randomly found their I, accounts? Yeah. They seemed sharp. I, I would say, I would say a lot of it was through like Groovin or like maybe like randomly a couple of the dudes that like weren't necessarily part of Seville, but were like, um, you know, interacted with them or like we're, we're on Twitter. Like one of the, one of the things I would, I did when like I first started was like, if I thought like Groovin was sharp or, or like someone like Groovin was like sharp, I would just go to their Twitter and just like follow everyone that they followed. Cause I'm like, well, if they're following them, they're probably like relatively sharp. So <laughs> like, so what were you following? Like 10,000 people? Uh, I, w I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that many cause a lot of them overlapped and, and whatnot, but, uh, yeah, like I, I just kind of had like a burner account that I would just like, okay. So like if Groovin's following all these dudes or like if Raz is following all of these dudes, like who, whoever, like it was that I like thought was like sharp at the time, I would be like, well, if they're following these dudes, like they must, like they must like have somewhat of a clue of what they're talking about. So might as well follow them and see if they give out any tidbits that are like worth following along. And I think that's kind of how I found like stumbled on like the, the Seville guys. And you've never like, have you ever messaged with any of them? Like maybe you've never met them in person, but is there anyone you even talked to about numbers or about a bet I made or, Oh, like it's my birthday. Or, like, is there anyone you talk interact with at all outside of just Twitter comments and likes and stuff? No, not as far as the Seville guys, yeah. I haven't. Okay. Um, I don't think I've ever. Maybe there's kind of like an intimidation factor there that it's just like, right? <laughs> like, is he? Is this dude? Is this dude even gonna like reply to me or like, is he gonna say I'm an idiot and just crush my ego? Um, but <laughs> yeah, no, like you know, sometimes tweeting back and forth if like we agree on like trolling someone or like this dude's an idiot, whatever it may be. But, um, no, no, I haven't like the, I know, um, like the previous guest, the one that I was supposed to come on with, a like a double, double guest deal, uh, Chatham three, Rick. Chatham um, three. I know him. Yeah. I know him. I know him very well. Um, we kind of have worked together over the years and have done stuff, but, I, uh, as far as like the original Seville members, I don't like, I, I, I've never had like any like one-on-one -on -one conversations with them for at least, at least that I can remember. Yeah. 
which of the Seville betters do you think at the time then or now were like, these guys seem way sharper than me. They're betting way more than me. Like, holy shit, these guys seem crazy. Like, these guys are awesome. Was there like any of them back then, particular accounts that stuck out or has that changed over the years? Or do you kind of not think that about anyone anymore? Or how has that changed as you've gone from following everyone they follow to betting big markets for big money? Um, I think the, I think Diggs would be one and his handle has kind of changed over the years, I think for whatever reasons. Um, but he was, he was one cause I know he does NFL and I was always just like, heard stories from other people and whatnot. And I was like, this, like this dude's like, like super sharp. And I, I believe he used to have a blog um, that I would read every so, every so often where he was like, basically just like, taking stupid tweets that people said and like posting them on the blog and like giving analysis with it. Um, so I was, I always thought like he was super sharp. Like Hagren was another one that I was like, this dude's like programming and like modeling knowledge is just like so much like more crazy than me. Like sometimes you look at him and you're like, like, am I, am I even good enough to win? Or like, what are these <laughs> betting? Or like, like how much are they betting? But like, those are the two that always like, like stuck out to me and i know like um is it like norm norm's gambling book club or whatever yeah norm's gambling uh, club with norm mcdonald i know he but i guess norm mcdonald is the comedian who also bets has he always been norm's gambling club because i don't think norm mcdonald like publicly bet until recently right what was he in 2013 you could that wouldn't have made no sense yeah I, I'm not sure, but that's like that's what I've always known him as, and like he, okay. he's obviously like he comes off as like one of the more like hostile like Seville members that he's just gonna like absolutely just troll the shit out of someone, and uh, but like super sharp dude. Like I heard his baseball is like like crazy good, and uh, is it? I, I I never know how to pronounce it. Like Sprager, is it? I always pronounce it Sprager. Like spray gun, spray ger, but I don't know what it is. I'm just guessing. Yeah, he like he's a like he's another one. Like I just I've heard stories about like his baseball too. That like he's just like a super sharp dude and like just always crushes baseball. So like um, maybe that's my uh, like the like the four dudes that I always kind of uh, gotcha. Like. I don't know, like looked up to or like thought that they were like, man, if I could, uh, if I could one day get to the level that, that they are is not only is betting, but trolling, then I would, uh, <laughs> I, I would consider, I would consider this a successful venture, but, uh, um, yeah, I guess we should, you know, enough talking about the good. Maybe we should, uh, <laughs> we should, we should move on to the, uh. the, the bad parts of okay, so f- Twitter. So for those of them, for those of the, you know, double-digit listeners that have not been on the podcast. We usually do an outline at the request of many people, including Diggs, because allegedly it makes it better, which I agree with, which is why we do it now. Um, Jordoga has an outline here with 10 complaints he has about gambling Twitter, and he previously said that the list has grown. So why don't we start it off with just number one? Okay, yeah. So I know we we touched upon this a little bit already, um, but the number one thing that tilts me and just like I'll always I'll always message uh, Chatham three like 
you know, I was having a good day and then I had to see this tweet and now I'm just like, like, what the hell? Like, these people are idiots. It's always people that like, don't think that closing line value matters. Like, they're always saying stuff like, you can't pay your bookie and closing line value and like, shit like that. Or like, writing out all these like, long, like, threaded tweets on like, why closing line value, like, doesn't really matter. And it's just like, this, that and the other thing. And, and I'm always like, the one thing that all of you guys have in common is you're all broke. Like you're, all like, <laughs> you're all like you're all like shopping the win, like the bet like five hundred dollars on a like a like an NFL total that's a half point off the market. And like I don't know, it's just like I hate when people say that like you can't pay your bookie in closing line value or like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you you have all this closing line value, but like how much money did have you made? Like it, it's just like it's just like a sure, a sure sign to me that like, do, do you really know how this works, or like, do you really know what the name of the game is? Um, yeah, I mean, so I that, think the like, answer to that, that is was, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Like, like I said, it, it, it's, it's funny how like, all, all the people that are are saying those like anti closing line value things are also not winning very much. So, uh, but like, along with that is also like you'll see people like complaining about a loss, like on a game that they claim they got the best of it. And it, it'll be like a college hoops total that they play like over 134 and it closes like 135. Like it's like a, like maybe like <laughs> slightly like, you know, when you take, when you take the big out, when you like, yeah. Like when you like, when you like, uh, you know, consider the vegan stuff, like they're probably not even beating the no vague close or like, it's like a, it's, it's like a 52 and a half percent bet or something. And they're like, Oh, well I beat the close on this game and another loser beating the close. It's, <laughs> like, it's like, dude, you had like a tiny edge on that. Or like, there wasn't really like after the big, like there wasn't even an edge on that. <laughs> so those people, those people are just as tilting. Cause it's like, man, you're, you're in for a rude awakening that time that you play at over 134 and, uh, it closes 139 or 140 and it lands like 118. Like what do you, yeah. you know, you might, be on, you might be on suicide watch after yeah, that. Yeah. That uh, thing is so tilting because a lot of people will be like, well, here's the lesson, you know, like I bet minus three close minus four and it lost the lesson being that closing line value, like doesn't matter. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm not saying it's a hundred percent important. I just, <laughs> I mean, you're going to win 53% and I'm going to win 55%. It's worth some percent. Right. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it, it's, it's not just, rocket science. It's a, it's a, <laughs> right. It, it, you know, it's a, it's a long-term thing. Like, yeah. Okay. Like, you know, there, there's so many people like that too, that like, they're pretty sharp, but like they run good over like 15 or 20 plays, not beating the close. And they're like, you know what? I, I don't know if it really matters beating the close. Like you could just be doing unique stuff and it's just like, Oh my god! Like, why? Why do you have to say those things to me? It just drives me nuts. Like, yeah, it's it's like, what did you what did you think that when you bet over one thirty four that like a hundred percent of the outcomes were more than one thirty four? Like, was your fair one ninety? Yeah. <laughs> oh, <laughs> or did you just bet over one thirty four and you have a fifty four percent ticket, which it, is going to yeah. lose forty six percent of the time? <laughs> oh, it's, you, you know, it, it, and this is kind of like the sweating games thing. Like, I don't know why I do it and why I get so like upset over it. Like, same thing with gambling Twitter. Like why I even follow these people or like go to their timelines because I know it's just going to like ruin my day, but it's just like, I, I have to do it. Like I have to, like, right. it's just like a sickness. <laughs> it's like, 
let's see what this idiot's saying today. And then it's just like, oh my God, you're so dumb. But uh, yeah, let's just, let's just, let's keep moving down the list here. We're, we're just okay. getting started. <laughs> uh, th- this one has been kind of prevalent recently. It's, it's past posting plays. Um, this, this just drives me absolutely <laughs> insane. Like if, if you want to share plays, like that's fine. Like in, in, you know, if you're a sharp dude and you know, some of the sharper guys that, you know, if markets thick, they'll share a play every once in a while, but I cannot stand these guys. It's like, it's like a Friday during NFL, like NFL bet on Friday. And they're like, uh, I here's what I played it, it earlier in the week. Like here's what I played at X, and like now like that line is like instead of minus three, it's like minus four or whatever. And it's like, like, like right. what are you doing? <laughs> like this is not providing any value to anyone. Like the big thing that just drove me nuts was like, I rarely last year was the first year I bet the NFL draft, and I don't even know like why I decided to bet it. Like. I think just some of the sharp accounts that like I had access to were betting it. And I was like, Oh, let me like, let me take a look at this and like, see like, cause I usually don't like, like that's like a hundred percent info based market. Like you're betting base basically off all the info you can gather and what, and I, I usually don't like, like that, but I was like, ah, oh, let me give it a shot. And then this year, obviously with like COVID going on, there like wasn't a lot of shit to bet. So I was like, I'm, I'm really going to dive into the NFL draft and like, see if I can like turn a profit doing this in the amount of people on Twitter and the amount of people that are like blue checked or like respected on Twitter that like the week of the draft were like, here's a list of my NFL draft props. And like, there was like 30 on the list and like 25 of them haven't been available for like three weeks. It's just like, well, like, what do you like? Yeah. It, it's just like, they need, it's just like, they like, Oh, it's just like they need like a reassurance or something. It's just like no one can bet this shit. Like you, you literally are saying that you bet under twenty-five and a half draft position, and now it's like twenty-three and a half. Like this isn't valuable to anyone. Like in fact, you could argue that like some of these like dudes with a lot of followings have like followers that like aren't super sharp and so they're probably still betting it like they're just betting bad numbers and it's like there's there's not going to be an edge so like you could crush and make a lot of money on three week old lines and like your people that like followed you are like losing money um it's just it's just so annoying people do that a lot with like season long like preseason, like uh prop bets like nfl win totals like they'll give out nfl win totals did they like bet somewhere locally in vegas and then like they do it on like a podcast or they do it on Twitter. And then like tw- you, you see the tweet or you listen to the podcast and you check Chris and like, they've all moved like a, like a half game each. And it's just like, when the hell did you even bet this? What value is it providing to anyone? Like it, it it's just, it's just like, it's like an ego boost they need. It, it's yeah. just so annoying. I didn't realize it was as pre- prevalent as it was. Um, my friend Tynan C who's a little bit more cynical than I, he was trolling some people and thinking like this person literally doesn't bet. Like he posts openers, but he's not actually betting. It's this guy, uh, G unit underscore 81, who he claims would look at the college basketball openers an hour later, see what moved. And then he would say like, Oh, I played this stuff. And he would just say he played whatever moved. And 
I think it's real. I mean, I think there's some people that actually do that. Like I used to think that that's a oh, crazy thing. Oh, no one would do it, but I believe there's people actually doing that. Um, oh, it's, it's, it's nuts. Like at first I used to think the past posting wasn't that bad. Cause I'm like, whatever, they're bragging about a bet, but like no big deal. But some of the people that past post, it's like, oh, you didn't even bet this. You know, <laughs> you're just oh, like oh, right, making right. this up. <laughs> right. And uh, yeah, they'll, they'll reference a number that you could bet like maybe $500 on if that. It's just like, dude, like there's a there's a college football guy that like actually like a lot of people like follow and he will give out like analysis on some of the bigger conference games. And like in his analysis, we'll say I grabbed the over 51 earlier in the week. And like the total's been like fifty five since Chris opened. Like he must have grabbed like the bet online opener of fifty one. Like it, it's just, it's just crazy. It's like if you want to give your analysis, like that's fine. But like, why do you got to sneak in like all these bets you apparently made like at micro limits? It's yeah, it's just, <laughs> it's totally annoying. And and like I said, some of the dudes are selling stuff. Some of the dudes aren't selling stuff. But they might be, you know selling themselves, trying to get accounts or like trying to partner with people. And it, it's just, it's so unethical to me. And it's just, it just drives me nuts. Yeah. It's um, pretty, pretty brutal. Although I've never followed, I haven't really seen any of that in action. Yeah. Well, that's funny. Cause my next one is um, mentioning bets that already have like a huge amount of positive equity. Like this, this has been something that, that goes on too, that like, Sunday, like during a during a golf uh, tournament, like they're mentioning dudes that like are all in like the leaderboard, like maybe tied for the lead or tied for second. Like I really need these guys to come through, and it's it, it's just like it's just like what are you like? Who are you like? What are you doing? Like it, it's just it, I don't know. It just comes off so dirty to me, and just like so like just stupid like yeah you're literally referencing like like that you have outrights on like three of the dudes like in the top five like it, it's just where was that before the tournament like i said if you were really <laughs> and stuff like like that's fine but it, it's just funny how they always mention them when like they're like looking good and uh it's just annoying yeah yeah so these like these like kind of all tie together because my next one is like gloating about wins like particularly on bets that like like maybe you didn't even share with people and like there's a couple people on twitter that love doing this like like a bad beat on like a like a bet or like say they say they played like a golf tournament and they'll say like oh i really needed so and so to come through and like they're they're like so worried about their brand that then they'll follow up that tweet by saying like, Oh, I really needed said golfer to come through that, you know, that would have been a huge payoff. And then they'll follow it up by reminding people that they still had a good tournament. I still had a good tournament though. Like it was one of my best ever. It's just like, <laughs> like it's just, Oh, it's just, it, you know, I think that, know, like, I think oh. that sort of stuff, I think that sort of stuff tilts anyone that does well. Because sometimes when I see Favre tweet stuff like that, I feel like it's him, like, trying to manage his tiltiness, you know? He's, like, just tweeting stuff at them that's, like, you are poor, or, like, you suck, like, you are wrong, like, stuff like that. <laughs> like, all this stuff is so insane, you know? Oh, dude, when he, because, like, I, last Sunday, I was just, like, I was so mad. Like, I didn't, like, I don't really bet golf. If, like, some some people I work with give me their stuff, like, 
I might bet it for action or whatever, but like, I'm not modeling it. And I, like, I don't, I don't like, I don't bet it like hard. And like last Sunday, like all these, all these golf editors, like they had action going. And so like, I was a little jealous for that fact. Like, man, this, this kind of sucks. Like they're betting big and don't have their, and like, I saw people doing all this shit, like mentioning like bets that were like looking good past posting plays. And then like, when I saw Favre tweet that, like, last week about like i'm I, like i'm just gonna start tweeting plays that like look really good or i, I forget what the actual tweet was like yeah it was it like was, a rebellion like, he's like how about i tweet like nothing when i'm doing well or like talk about it incessantly when i'm losing and i think that's why he posts stuff like i bet the chargers plus three you know when they lose by 100 or like i'm the losingest golf butter ah. of all time because people that actually win you don't need to impress other people with your claims you just like have a lot of money in your bank account, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. You, you nailed that. Like people that actually win and like win big are going to be way more likely to like make fun of themselves about when they lose as opposed to like, Oh, I, I, I have Webb Simpson at the RBC. Like this is, this is looking good. Like, <laughs> this, would be, this would be a life changing payoff. Like it's just, I, I do have yeah, Webb Simpson at the RBC, but it would not be a life changing payout. Unfortunately, yeah. maybe I think on Sunday, I'm just going to post, my portfolio of golf picks. Um, we'll see if it overlaps with the leaderboard at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, what, so, what tilts me about that too is like when people gloat about wins and losses, as I mentioned earlier, I don't love following the results and grading the bets is difficult and it's a lot of my net worth and it matters a lot. Um, when I see people gloat about wins and losses, like they're, they're talking about them they're usually on the opposite side of me, you know, like, cause I'll be fading some steam or cause they're not very good. And for whatever reason. So like when I see people gloating about wins on Twitter, I'm always like, fuck, I know I had the opposite side of that. You know, it just like tilts me. Cause I'm like, yeah. not only are they gloating and they suck, but I'm also losing like a shit ton of money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, um, chat Tim's in the chat and he, he just reminded me like one that goes with this, like, someone was like gloating about a win like a real easy like nba side bet that they won and they were like the team that they had bet against was like on a like a real bad losing streak was like not winning games straight up and shit and like he started to tweet out saying like it's not always this plain and simple or like it's not always this simple but like this was an easy bet. Like he just bet against the team that had been losing. And like <laughs> that, th like, like that phrase, like, it's not, it's not, it's not always, it's not that plain and simple, but like <laughs> bet against the teams that are losing, like, and get rich. Like, it's just like, like, dude, like shut up. Like, it's, <laughs> oh, it's, it's. Yeah. I mean, when you hear people stuff. say stuff like that, it's like, okay, well, if it's not that it, you're right, it's not that plain and simple. Like everyone knows the same stuff that you're, that you know, you know, when you say like, right. I can't believe that, you know, this team that's lost eight straight games was a favorite on the road of this other team. And it's like, well, yeah, you said that yes. after the game happened and they lost, but before the game <laughs> happened, it was like, well, this team that lost eight straight games is really good. And the team that's at home is really bad. So maybe they should be a two point yeah. favorite and like their players oh. are good and their players are bad. It's a two point favorite, you know? <laughs> Yep. 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 That's yeah. It's like, 
it's it's so easy for you to say it like after the fact like and, and that's what the situation was like you could tell he was just like pumped up that he won a side and was just like it's not always this plain and simple but like are you serious like a team that lost eight in a row was a favorite against <laughs> a team that's been winning like right oh, dude it's just... yeah when people say that sort of stuff they're like well you know like they've lost eight in a row like sometimes yeah, right. i'm like do you think that i don't know that like do you think that your model has this magic win-loss record and, like, mine doesn't? Like, holy shit. They're, they've right, lost eight like, in a row? I never knew. I bet them minus two because, like, I thought they'd <laughs> won eight in a row. It's like, yeah, we all yeah, know this. Oh, you, <laughs> like, <laughs> congratulations yeah, for like entering second-grade betting. I know how many yeah, of them like, lost in a row. I've moved a little bit beyond wins and losses, though. I'm kind of considering some other stuff. <laughs> oh, dude, it's – yeah. So then th this one's been like really, um, really prevalent on Twitter recently is now like the fascination with bad beats, like just, just like drives me to a tilt of like no other. Cause it's like, like, first off, like everyone experiences bad beats. Like if you do this professionally and you're betting like high volume, like it's going to happen. And to me, it's just like crazy that they're like fascinated that like something random as shit what happened in like one of the games you bet on? Like it just like, like how fascinated they are by it just like blows my mind. It's like, do you just like not understand like how this works? Like, and like, I love when like, you'll see like a big West, like college basketball, like game. Or like a dude will make like a full court shot at the end of the game that like doesn't <laughs> impact anything. And then they'll like go, they'll like go searching for like a like how it was a bad beat. Right. Like, they'll find the line. It'll be like, like holy it, shit, the first half line, find the line on Wednesday, like yeah, thirty uh, hours before post, yeah, yeah. that first half line was three and a half, and it it closed one, but yeah, <laughs> they R lost by three. R.I.P. Yeah. R.I.P. <laughs> the people that bet the live over at one hundred and thirty nine and a half, like, <laughs> and it's just like, dude, like, like you could do this all day. Oh, it's just like the the like the bad beat thing is. It's just crazy. Should we should we answer uh, Chatham's question? I think he had a question in regards to to bad beats. Um, he well, said, "What legit legit top baddest beats?" <laughs> um, I've never had that I mean, many again, bad beats. Like I've had a bunch of college basketball stuff where it's like whatever, you know, three or four percent of my bankroll is like swinging on some random three-point shot or layup going in or out but the only things i've had that are like bad beats for a lot of my bankroll would be like random golf stuff where it's not a bad beat it's like you know you had this guy with a lot of equity and just he lost it for whatever reason you know i remember when in the 2019 masters patrick cantlay i had like a lot of futures on him like not life-changing money but like way more than my bankroll you know like 4x my bankroll money and he like took the outright lead on the six on the 15th green and stepped on 16 T with like 30% win probability or something. And then lost, like, is that a bad beat? Like, no, but yeah, yeah. you never really have right. that bad beats for like it, huge bets. I feel like that would be something random. If you had, you know, 10% of your bankroll on something or 8% of your bankroll. And like there was a buzzer beater. That seems unlikely. I've never had anything right, like that. Yeah. Like, you know, like you, you have them happen and like, of course you're going to be mad, but I, I just hate like the, like you got to tweet about it and you know, you got to like, you got to tweet through it, like attention to it. And yeah. Right. Like, 
it, it, uh, oh, like weird, like a Mac game scored 35 points in the last like nine minutes to lose your under. Like, yeah, like it sucks. But like, tell me something that hasn't happened to me like a half dozen or a dozen times in the last couple of years. It's, it's just, but um, yeah, I guess I, sh- I guess I'll answer his question. Like the only one that sticks out to me is like, I was betting like for a guy that like the the guy I had mentioned earlier from Jersey that like free rolls me, like I think I was done betting baseball. Like it was the U.S. Open, so it was middle of June, and I think I just like for whatever reason like I packed it in on baseball. Like I was like, okay, like I'm like I got some vacations coming up or like whatever it was. I'm not gonna bet anymore. So he like owed me a figure, and I was like. It was before the U.S. Open in Chambers Bay. I think it was like 2016, maybe. And I was like, okay, like he owes me this, this amount. Like I'm just gonna like bet as much as I can on Dustin Johnson to win the U.S. Open outright because like I don't care if I even see this, like get this money from him. Like it's like whatever. So let's just like be like very aggressive. And so like I bet DJ at like 25 to one, or it was like. 23 to one or something right at the u.s open at chambers bay and it like it was like it, it was like a, it it was like a decent size payout like for sure like it was it was probably like 30k payout or something and then like you three putted on 18 to to lose yeah and so like I remember that like that one always sticks out but it, it's just like it happens and like there's been plenty of times that i've been on like the other side of that where like i want to bet that i had no business winning and it's like I said, it, the big thing there that just pisses me off is just like how fascinated they are by it. Like they don't like they act like it never happens. And yeah, like they're I, always search. They're always searching for a way that it was a bad beat. Uh, yeah. I remember one of those bad beats that um, sports cheetah tweeted about. He was like, holy shit. Like, I can't believe it. There was like a full court buzzer beater in this game and they like overturned it. And I lost the bet by a half point. And you and I were both on the same side. And you had been watching it, and you were like, no, like, they put back a layup with, like, 1.8 seconds left. <laughs> like, none of what you're yeah. saying is true. I watched the whole game. <laughs> was not yeah. even, a, like, yeah. this thing you're complaining about is ridiculous, and it, it, it's not even right. It was a lie. It was a lie. Yeah, he said it was, like, a buzzer beater or something, and I'm like, I was literally watching the game. It was, like, a put-pat dunk with, like, two seconds left. Like, it was, and, and not to mention the game, like, that was a dog that covered with that dunk and it was in overtime. Like, so like the dot, like it, like to say that that was like somehow a bad beat was just like, like so crazy. Like your eight, like your seven and a half point or yeah, seven and a half point favorite went from eight to six, like with two seconds left in overtime. Like that's not like, yeah, (laughs) like, like cool. But I mean, you know, all those dudes, like they have like a lot of followers and you know, they do all sorts of media stuff. So it's just like, it's like part of their brand. Like they have to, like they have to like keep shit entertaining, I guess on their timelines. It's it's just like what, like whatever they might win and like, they might be decent. I'm not like going to dispute all that, but it's just like how they have to like tweet that shit to like keep their brand, all their donkey followers is really fucking annoying. (laughs) Um, All right. Now on to number seven. So this one is, this is, I have like micro limit betters, like people that are like constantly betting like openers, like extremely early and stuff. And like, look, everyone has to start somewhere. But like the first thing I don't like is like, like there's people on like Twitter that like consider themselves sharp and like, 
but they've been betting micro limit openers for like 10 years. It's just like, I don't get like, I don't get what's going on here. Like, how is it that like, you're still betting like college basketball totals, like at eight in the morning and like college football totals, like first thing Monday when Chris opens and you've been betting for like 10 years, like all that, like that just kind of exposes you that like, you're not very good at this. Like yeah. if you're still able to like bet. And then like the big tilt here is like, they're always the first person then to like brag about winning a game that like fell like real close to the number. Like, Oh, I made this game. Like, Oh, I had under 68 and a half and it landed 68. Like I'm super sharp. And it's just <laughs> like, well, no, it's like, well, no, you're super broke because like most people had to wait for like limits to lift. And by then it was like 66 or like 65, whatever. Like it, it's just. Right. It's I remember Farf tweeted that like, one time. He like, he said, yeah, Hi, I'm on gambling Twitter. I've hit 55% for X years, but like I'm still betting on Tuesday. And it's true because yeah, yeah it's just like, like you go from a you go from like a $1,000 bankroll to like a million dollar bankroll. It doesn't take that long, you know? Like it happens. It's not going to take you a decade to do it if you have edge, you know. It might take you like 2 years. Um if you're putting in volume, like you will start making money. So the idea that you could be posting for multiple years and be good and not be betting, you know, like huge units that you have to be waiting for is just ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah, to- totally. It, it, it is. It's just, like I said, I, re- I respect anyone that can win. And if you have to play early, like to, to get your edge, like whatever, but it's like, dude, you've been playing this way for like eight, eight years. Like, I don't, I don't get it. Um, uh let's move on here so the the next one then kind of goes with that it's like people that like play early limits or they're like make their living middling games um that like cry about books not wanting their action like that they'll be like oh this book is limiting me to like one thousand dollars on college football totals and it's like well first off you're trying to play the total on fucking tuesday and like second off you're a known middler like it, it, it's just like their argument holds like no weight. And it, it's just like books have never like wanted to take action on college sports totals early in the week or like books never wanted to take action from people that just bet like randomly like off market numbers and stuff. Like as long as I've been doing it, like that's really nothing new. And then like they like again, like they have to keep their brand going to their followers. So they're like bragging about it. And it's just like, dude, you know that like, if you wait till Saturday, you could bet as much money as you want on a college football side or total. Like, it's just like, they like, like they never evolve. And instead of never evolving, like they just like make it seem like it's the bookmakers fault. And and, like, don't get me wrong. Some of some of these books, like the shit they do is like annoying and like shady and whatnot, but like, a that's nothing new. Those books have always been around and like B like, just try betting at higher limits. Like that seems like an easy like solution to your problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It is pretty funny when, but, when people do stuff like that, when they're like, Oh my God, like I can't believe that this book, like they won't take like my bet on the one point off market college football total on like Monday at four thirty PM. Like what the <laughs> fuck? Like when is, when is someone going to grow a pair yeah. of balls? And it's like, why don't you try booking that shit for a week and then get back to me? Like, you're not going to want to book it either. <laughs> oh dude. Yeah. That's, you know, that, that's super annoying when they do that. But 
Okay, so the next one, like this one doesn't happen a lot just because there's like most super sharp people and most people that win like are smart enough not to do it. But there are some like decent touts or like decent dudes that like they just give out way too much info. And it, it's just like, are you like, what do you like? What do you like? What are you doing here? Like you're. Like you're a well-known like college football capper, and before the season starts, you're giving out like your ten most surprising teams. Like it's, <laughs> it's just it, it's just like do you, like like do you not know how this works? Like people know you're sharp, and you're literally telling the teams like going into the season that you're think are going to be undervalued. Like I hope all those people just bet your ten teams like super early before you can get money down on them, so you can well, learn that. I think it kind of relates back to their, those are kind of the, a lot of overlap with the people that don't believe in CLV where they would be like, oh yeah, well I'll tweet out that army is great, but like no one will respect it. The market won't respect my number. They'll, they would like look down on the market, you know, they'd be like, oh, I don't care about giving it out because the market doesn't respect it. And they're not like, well, why doesn't the market respect it? Maybe my number sucks. They're just like, oh, I'm yeah. awesome. The market sucks. Right. So they're like, I don't care yep. giving the market info because that market sucks. They do the stupid stuff. You know, I have the true answer, oh. yet I also still bet on Mondays for like 1K units, you know? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Like, oh, so yeah, that one's annoying. Um, okay, this one, like I added last second and it's like, there's people that like call out some, like the people that like call out some of the better touts or like some of the better people that sell picks and like that are known betters and stuff like, I don't sell picks. I'll never sell picks. But yet, like, they're, like, constantly on Twitter and, like, doing, like, they're just, like, whoring in the media, like, doing articles, doing podcasts. Like, and the reason they're doing that is, like, to sell their brand. It's, like, it's not any different. Like, one person that you're, like, giving a hard time to is, like, actually giving out plays and telling people that if you can't get this number, don't follow the service. But if you can't get the number it has value. Like they're actually giving out plays and value to people. And you're like saying like, Oh, I would never sell picks and touts suck and stuff. And then like on the other end of it, like you're just constantly trying to sell yourself so you can get accounts and like probably deals and like whatever. It's like, it's no different. And in, in fact, like I might argue it's worse because you're not giving out anything of value. Whereas like the service is like giving out good picks. Like if you can get the number. So it's, that's totally annoying to me. Um, and like, kind of like along with that is like, there's a group of people on Twitter and just like believe that like touts and like people that provide content and that are like completely loud mouthing, like constantly on Twitter, like gloating about all their wins and past posting and mentioning games that already have a bunch of positive equity, like are the only people in the gambling, like universe like it's it, like they'll put together like top 10 sharpest people i know lists and like who are the sharpest like people in the industry and it's just like you guys do realize that like most of the sharp people aren't saying shit like the people that are betting the most money aren't like in the public eye like it's just that that becomes annoying to me you yeah. know not you know not not that the people that are making millions like behind the scenes need need a pat on the back but it's just like you're saying these dudes are the sharpest guys. It's like, yeah, maybe they're the, like the sharpest people like willing to give out like info on the internet or whatever, but it's. 
Right. And I mean, I think it kind of speaks to how like incompetent some of the people that do very well in the game are like, even if you've made millions in the, in the industry and you like still think that, you know, person X on Twitter is the sharpest. Who's like very clearly not like, how could you be so incompetent? You know, (laughs) it's almost like an indictment. Like, I don't care that you've made so much money. You're still an idiot. You know? Oh, yep. Yeah. So let's see what's next. Yeah, this this list really this list really grew with time. I mean, uh, the next one and and this this has come up like a lot recently is like educating. Like, there's people that have been like putting out like content and like videos and stuff, and like their reasoning is that like they believe educating the public will like somehow help their edge. Like, will somehow make it easier to bet and like. That's just one of the dumbest things like I've ever heard and and since I've been doing this that like you think educating the public on like semi advanced like topics is going to somehow help you like you're educating your competition first off like it, it's just like stupid and then it's like so now there's smarter people like how is that going to make books be more willing to take bigger limits or like offer more props like you just made people smarter like it 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 makes absolutely no sense like yeah i don't i don't know i mean seems like a lot of logical inconsistencies with those some of these (laughs) i I, yeah like that's one i keep like thinking about like all the time i'm like am i missing something here but like telling people like i mean the only modeling strategy the only people that say that sort of stuff either don't like money or they aren't good. Like there's no other yeah. scenario. So if you think, if you say you like money, then you're not good. You have to only, you can only approach it from like, I don't care about money. That seems to be like the Ed Miller approach. Like, I don't care about money. I'm just giving away all this info for no reason. Whereas yeah. some of the other people yeah. are like, you nailed it. Oh man, like here's some info. I hope it makes you better. And then someone's like, why the fuck are you giving this away? And they're like, oh, well, you know, it might educate the public and that'll make the market bigger. And that's the, you know, like they'll do some sort of create, that's like, you know, the Rufus Capjack thing where you just like say words when you could just be like, oh yeah, I'm wrong. You know? Right. Yep, exactly. So um, then my, my next thing, and oh, does this one drive me nuts is when people like, they they like brag about being successful sports bettors without knowing any of the player names. Like it's just, oh, I don't even know the names of these players. Like I'm like I made so and so many units betting this sport, and yeah. I don't know a single player like a single player's name or like, oh, I didn't like I don't know who this NFL quarterback is. It's just like that's such like a pseudo sharp thing like to say because like. Like, yeah, you might, like, there's a lot of college teams and, like, a lot of college basketball teams. So you might, like, not know the exact players' names, but, like, if you're looking at the data and you're, like, modeling or, like, you're tracking injuries and stuff, like, you have a decent idea of who he is. Right, Right. you're in the ballpark. Like, you and I are saying, like, his name was Isaiah. I think he was on Michigan. He was the point guard. He was, like, six foot one. Right, right. His name might have been Rivers or Livers. Like, we don't really know, but we were following it, you know? We're not going to be, like... Who's Isaiah Livers? Never heard of him. But I think that's more like a, I think it's quasi-sharp because this is conjecture because I wasn't in the game. But it seems like when sports betting started, it was, you know, maybe let's say in 2004 or something. It was very much like 
oh, I know a bunch about sports and I make a living betting sports. I like am the sports expert. And then there was the new wave of people that were like, you know, the Nate Silver Rufuses that are like, oh, knowing people doesn't matter. I don't know anyone and I'm actually winning because I quantify everything or I'm interested in analytics or like I trust the process and those sort of, you know, like 90 percentile buzzwords. And then now it seems so ridiculous because clearly like everyone who's good is like, well, yeah, I like trust the process and I have a number, but also like I have a brain. I'm not like ignoring who these people are. Clearly knowing the players is going to make me at least a little bit better, more than 0% yeah, yeah, better. Right. Um, so I think it's kind of like a signaling thing for people who are old because the only people that do it are old. You know, I think it's like uh, they're trying to respond to the critiques in 2005 when people were like, well, you can't win sports unless you know a ton about the game. And they're like, well, look right, at me. Yeah. But it's like, yo, it's 2020. Like nobody with a brain thinks any of this stuff anymore. You're not arguing with people with brains. You're arguing with other people. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I mean, like you could tell like a lot of the way like the markets are trending, like a lot of people are using bottom up, bottom up models and like player based models and stuff. So like when you say that shit, it's just like apparent that like, you probably just have like some shitty model based off like stats and inputs. And it's just like, yeah, like, I don't know. Like you said, you hit it like right on the head about how it like, it's kind of common waves. And like, it's now it's like, if your math is going to be like really good to win at this, like you might not know like the player's name exactly, but like, you know, that like, Oh, LaSalle has a really good point guard or like, right. And there was, there was a guy on Cal state Northridge this year who I think his name was like, you know, Diane Lamine or some crazy name. But like, I knew that there was a huge center on Northridge. He was like huge impact of the game. Yeah. You'll know something like, I don't watch any of these games. I also, I actually don't know any players, but you encounter it when you're doing research, obviously, if you like are even decent at this. Yeah. Yep um okay this next one like this is more kind of like a a, most people that do this are pretty low level but i have like i have seen some like dudes that are considered like sharp say this is like people that think the public can like move the line and move the market like oh if the public's gonna like be betting this like one way like i'm gonna wait out another number like I, i don't know what your opinion is on it but like that's just not true to me like the only way the line's moving is if like someone with like a profile account or like someone sharps betting like a lot of money. And like, Chris is like, yeah, we better move this, like this number. Yeah. And he's like, I don't really yeah, know like enough about that. Like- it seems like the only people that could move a number, you know, you have an off screen tagged account, you're betting on screen, you're betting a ton of money. You're like betting very publicly with people that win. Like that would be the only way it moves. So I don't know how the public moves it, but maybe there are more people than we think that, you know, have accounts that are just double clicking, you know, like it seems like even like the empire maker account on Twitter, like it seems basically that that's what he's doing. You know, he's like double clicking the clothes yeah. with no clue what he's doing. So maybe there are a lot of like rich fish like that, but I don't know. Yeah. It's, it always seems impossible to me that it, um, the public could be moving numbers, but spoon talked about it in our last podcast. He was saying that, like in the NBA playoffs, the public moves the number. Like the numbers are not exactly fair just because of whatever narrative is being pushed, which, I mean, it sounds unbelievable to me, but 
I guess it's true. And that Conor yeah, McGregor I, I, fight I, I is guess... supposed to be the same thing too. I mean, that also seems inconceivable to me because isn't there some Favre or version of Favre out there who has a hundred million dollar bankroll and is like, yeah, I'll bet $18 million on this. And like, you bet $18 million on something, you push it into place, you know, like it's not going to stay there. It doesn't matter what right, it is. Yeah, you know? I guess, I, I guess, uh, you know, like now that you bring that up about like Spoon's point, I guess like, I guess it could like really matter on like how you define public, you know, like I, I could just remember like someone saying that they were like waiting for the public to move the Super Bowl total up before they were going to play under. And I'm just like, there's like, you're going to be waiting a while because all these average Joes like betting the Super Bowl total is not going to cause it to like tick up, but yeah, I, I guess, you know, like you said, Empire Maker. And, like, I guess if there's, like, like dudes that don't win necessarily but, like, have the ability to, like, bet a lot of money, like, it could trigger it could trigger a move. Yeah. All right, next one. No value on marquee events. Okay, yeah. Yeah, so, like, there's, like, these people that act, like, you know, during the Super Bowl and March Madness, like, they'll tweet things, like, Oh, I'm I'm gearing up for the next sport. Like, there's no there's no value in betting the Super Bowl, like side in total, or like March like conference tournaments and March Madness. Like, there's no like there's no value. Like, the books like have enough info, and, and it's just like that's just crazy. Like, just because you like can't find value in like March Madness, like doesn't mean that like doesn't mean that there's no value on it. And like just because it's harder to move games like during March Madness, two or three points and come back the other way for a middle, like doesn't mean that there's not value and that like people aren't beating it. I mean, I know that there's a lot of like bigger groups that bet like NFL and shit that like they don't bet college basketball regular season. Like, and it's because the limits are so small, but like they might come in and dabble in March Madness because books are taking more money. And like, it's a great opportunity for people with like a lot of money to like, get down like something that's worthwhile to them so like this notion that like all these big events like don't have value is just like absolutely crazy to me and i always see people kind of kind of pushing that narrative um and like the last one is like kind of goes with that it's like people are always saying that like there's not value late in the season like you can't beat college basketball the second time through conference play and like you can't, you know, college football, like you should be betting college basketball in November instead of college football. And it's just like, well, like if your math's good and like you're getting better as the year goes on and like out modeling the market, like there should be plenty of value to have. And like, so like, I know people that stop betting baseball around the all-star break and, you know, because they claim it gets tougher, but I, I know people on the other end of it that, are getting more closing line value after the all-star break and, you know, still winning. So it's just, I think people like on Twitter love to like say things that they can't do or like impossible. And it's just, it's just super tilting because it's like, I know big groups betting March madness. I know sharps taking a stance on the side or total of the super bowl. Like I know people crushing college football in November. So it's just, it's just, it's silly. So. Yeah, do you have, do you have an opinion that... on, like, I guess that same sort of thing? Um, is there anything you think is unbeatable right now? Like you're saying, you know, just because you can't beat it doesn't mean you can't. Do you think there's anything in the market that like actually is totally fair, 
that like if you're betting near post, it's almost unwinnable? Or do you think there's anything, like what do you think out there is so fair that it might be reasonable for someone to actually say this stuff like, you actually can't beat it late in the season or you can't beat it this time? Or do you think that's just totally false in all markets? Um, I, like, if, if someone, like, asked me that question without, like, me speaking off from what I've heard from people, like, my first thought would be, like, NFL on Sundays. Like, it's, you know, like, can you really beat NFL betting, like, sides on Sundays? But then it's, like, I know of sharp people that have told me about people that are beating NFL sides on Sundays. So, like, I, like, I don't know enough about, like, the big soccer leagues and stuff, but, like, for the most part, I, you know, you might not be doing it at crazy high volume. Like, you might not have 10 plays a week, but I would think over the long haul that, like, you can find edges in, in mostly all these markets and when they're the thickest. What I'm curious your opinion on that. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I remember that when, because I haven't really been betting stuff for that long that like I had numbers on for college basketball in 2019, it seemed like the March madness openers. I mean, I was paying attention to the openers because in 2019 openers like $500. I'm not betting it, but you're, you know, you not got nothing to do. You're paying attention to where it opens. Um, and then I remember for March madness that bookmaker opened shortly after the selection show with like 2k limits and then other places were copying. So all of a sudden the market is significantly more liquid where things just don't move as much. It takes more money to move them. And that was where I was thinking like, I mean, I remember in March Madness 2019, like all my high edge bets of the season happened there. Like I basically never had a college basketball side that I'm more than like a point and a half away from the market on. And on this, it's like, I'm five points off here, four points off here. And it's, I think that's just edge, you know? So I, I had huge bets. The only time I've ever bet March Madness seriously um, this year, I mean, it didn't happen, but I think it might just be that the limits are bigger. So the person who like has a good opener and hits the openers for $500, he's now playing 500 instead of 2000. Cause he just doesn't have, um, the big enough bankroll to play 2k units and he's not moving it as much, you know, instead of the total goes from 147 to 147 minus 113. Cause he bet a quarter of the limit, you know? So I think that might be the reason why the markets seem a little bit um, more off. But it might also be that I noticed that in 2019, I was mostly betting on like big dogs where I might have just had issues with my model of like, listen, this team from the big sky, they don't play Duke ever. Like you might be missing something here that Duke is actually better than you think they are. Like, you know, the model says 23 and a half, but it should be 24 and a half or even 25. And so that 26 bet you put in, like, it might be okay, but it might not quite be as good as you think it is. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's, it's, it, it is interesting what happens when the, like, the college basketball markets get a little thicker there. Right. Um, and it happens in, in conference season, too, where it gets a lot thicker when there's a, there's a lot of big PPH accounts that will only start listing stuff in January. And, like, the limits just get a little bit bigger where... I think people might, the the market moves less easily because it's so much more liquid. Um, So it definitely gets harder to find edges that might be obvious, but if you think you're quantifying everything, then, you know, there's always edges. As long as the market moves, there's always edges. 
Yeah. Yep. That's kind of how I would. That's kind of the conclusion I would draw as well. Yeah, and, and then the, pu- and the public like money a- I can't address. I don't really know much about the public money. I mean, I've heard that narrative, yeah. but I've never like seen the sheet. I've never booked the action and been like, like, does is the Westgate even allowed? Like, if they wrote a ton of action on some game, are they allowed to go on Bookmaker and like triple click it and get three hundred k on some side that they need to hedge? Are they allowed to bet Pinnacle? I don't know what the rules are even like. If they could. You know, if it was Jeff Sherman's money and he was like booking all this stuff on these terrible lines and laying it off on Matchbook or Pinnacle, I'd be like, okay, I understand how the public could move the market now, but I have to imagine that's illegal for Las Vegas bookmark. Like book, they must not be allowed to do that. Right. And maybe Bookmaker does. I, I don't know if Bookmaker has accounts on Pinnacle or if they're hedging on other avenues, but if Bookmakers around the globe are hedging their stuff, then it would make sense that the public could be moving lines because it's kind of a more integrated global market. But it doesn't seem like that to me. It seems like the only people move lines are the you know 200 professional bettors that are playing into a million accounts or have like screen accounts that they bet the limit on. Yeah, yeah, I agree. That's a that's a really good point. I never really, you know, I don't know a lot about that side of things, but um, all all that's possible. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it by. Um, so yeah, I think that's all my my t- Twitter Twitter tilts. Um, yeah. What are your favorite Twitter accounts? Do you have like anyone you love following, or anyone you hate following, or people you've gone from following to unfollowing? Is there how active are you on um, Twitter? You know, I'm not like I'm like I'm not I'm not very active. Like on the Jordoga account, like I said, like that's kind of my like account to like kind of troll the people I hate and just kind of like see what's going on. But like, I, I do use, like, I do use it, like do use Twitter to like track injuries and like some like college football or like writers or like whatever. Um, but like, as far as favorite accounts and stuff, I, I get nothing really, obviously I love Favre anytime he has, <laughs> Anytime he has something to say, I'm definitely tuning in. And, uh, <laughs> you know, like like the Seville guys always have really good trolls that you know. Sometimes they troll people, and I'm like, it takes me like a good five minutes to like piece together like what's actually like like being said. And so, like, I always I always appreciate that. Yeah, the Farve stuff is so Favre. good that it's. I mean, it's so crazy because he it just seems like so legit. And so for sure sharp, but I have no evidence, you know, like I only have the Twitter account, you know, (laughs) I don't, I don't know anything about him actually. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like uh, a lot of people know too much about him. So uh, who who knows, maybe we'll uh, build up the brand of the the pod and (laughs) you'll get your, you'll get your potato chip sponsor and uh, Farve will give in and it'd be a guess. Yeah, it'd be funny. I mean, it's it's cool having, like, I understand that no one wants to talk about what they do, but I think you can, like, have a conversation with someone and not, like, I don't think we're really talking about what we do in any way that threatens either of us. We're just kind of, like, talking about some stuff that we deal with, so, you know? I don't yeah, think it has to, it doesn't have to be, like, here's what I, you know, here's my number on stuff or here's how I come up with stuff and let me answer your complicated questions about how to model stuff. Right, right, right. 
Um, that said, I think the odds on Favre coming on the podcast are quite low. We're not banking on it over here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I'd say no, maybe no. like 1%. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, I, I would agree with that. But, hey, you can always, can always wish <laughs> and hope. All right. So. Uh, what else do you want to talk about? Should we do some questions here? Or do you want to uh, talk about anything else, any sports in particular? Um, I think that, I think that's basically kind of covered, covered most. Yeah. Do you have, I didn't, I'm feeling kind of sad about the lack of questions I got, but, uh, yeah, we can go ahead and we can go ahead and do that. Yeah. I mean, it was kind of weird. I think maybe it was that the first podcast is like, Oh, there's a new podcast. And the second one, it's like, Oh, I'll tune into this. But now it's like, I've cranked out a few in the last couple of weeks. People are like, whatever, there's another one of these. I don't have any questions, you know, (laughs) like it used to be more of like, Oh, there's another one. Let me ask the questions. But, um, Maybe also that people get the, like, they're not going to ask you anything different than they would ask some other guest. It's more like, what questions right, do you have yeah. for this random guest? Because they don't know anything about you. Anyway, how to use advanced stats like ISOP slash explosiveness in CFB. And I don't even know what um, either of these are, so it's probably not good for my college football betting career. Yeah, this was, this was um, from S- SV Better, I believe. He asked several questions, so... I appreciate I appreciate him for uh, for being the guy to fire off some questions, but yeah. So shout um, out to SV Better. I, yeah, shout out to SV Better. Um, ISO that's a ISO points per play, and it's like an explosive. It's one of Bill Connolly's like five factor metrics. Um, as far as like how to use it, I I think I don't think I want to go into that too much. Um, but I will say that like. His, his stuff is decent. Like, his five-factor stuff is, like, all stuff that I've looked at. And, like, if I felt the need to, like, implement it, like, I've implemented it. And if I felt the need to, like, tweak it, because I do believe he misses the mark on some stuff, um, then I'll, like, kind of, like, adjust it. Um, but, yeah, I don't want to – yeah, I don't want to discuss, like, explosiveness and, like, how I – use it in my model per se. Um, but like I, like I will say that again, Bill C's stuff is like decent. The only thing I'll say about that is like, everyone knows, like anyone betting college football knows who Bill Connolly is. So like a lot of the stuff's already like baked, baked into the market. Um, if you can kind of find mm-hmm. unique ways to implement it, then I think you're, you're fine to do that. Yeah. And I mean, I think that I feel like that's like the main takeaway from like all sports betting stuff is that if you're doing something regular and basic, like it might be okay, but everyone else is doing it. You know, you have to think like, right. what am I doing that's better than what Jordoga is doing? Like, I have to be doing something better than him because he's been doing it for longer. He knows all the shit I know. I need to do something like different than what he's doing or better to have any sort of edge. Cause otherwise he's better connected. He can get down better. He can move, you know, like you're just not going to beat more established people that have the same skills as you. Yeah. That's, that's perfectly said. So we got another question. Where do you attack from, from SV better as well? Where to attack CFB derivatives, first half, second half size totals question mark. So, like, when he says where, I'm assuming he means, like, what situations, like, as opposed to, like, where to actually, like, put the bets down at. Is that how you're interpreting that question? 
Yeah, I think he means like which of these like, markets should I do? Yeah, I mean, so like I don't do anything with second halves. Like um, I've tried to model it before, but I just like I I I just haven't really been able to crack the code. I mean, I know some people that like bet college football totals, second half totals, and do really really well. Um, hats off to them, but I just kind of focus more on the full game stuff. Um, first halves, I will say that like when I first started doing this, books didn't do a great job of like adjusting the first half total for like a blowout game or even the first half side for like a game that like the favorite was likely to like take their starters out in the second half. And so like there, there were opportunities that you could capitalize on there, but that info is just kind of out there now, in my opinion, for the most part, um, at least that the books are just better at adjusting the first half based off, you know, there being a big favorite in a lopsided game. Um, I don't have a first half model either. Everything I model is like for the full game. So I guess sometimes I'll play like a first half if, like, and again, I, I think you have to be careful because, like, key numbers are, like, pretty much a dying breed in college football or, like, don't really exist in the first place. Um, but, like, there could be a situation where, like, the full game line is, like, ten and a half and maybe the first half line's like, six and a half. So you might reason that it could be better to, like, get within the touchdown for the first half line. I don't know. Um, but then the counter to that is I just – I just feel like uh, like playing the full game like gives you longer for your edge to play out as opposed to like just trying to play like the first half. So I'm not even sure that would be like a great situation. Um, I'm sure someone out there is modeling first halves and like has a way of like finding first half value as opposed to the full line, full game line. But outside of like looking at like, again, like, quote, unquote, key numbers. There's not too many times that I opt for the first half line. I usually just play full game. Um, so, yeah, not much not much help there, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. Where do you, like, what do you, what do you want to accomplish in, say, like, the next five years? What is your goal? Like, where do you, where would you like to be in a few years? What, is it, what are you trying to get done, you know? Um, I think, I think just and what my goal has been from the start, just, you know, I love, I love doing this. I just, I love the challenge and like the everyday, like, um, process of it. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, the opportunity I have of like combining my hobbies with like my job, um, like you know, if I wasn't betting for a living, I would be watching all these games re regardless. So um, I, I guess my goals are just like take it as far as I can. And, you know, hopefully one day in the near future, I'm one of the guys that's waiting until Saturday, an hour before game to start right. betting all my <laughs> sides and shit. Um, you know, but yeah, just I guess just make as much money as possible and just like continue to do this as long as I can, which, um, you know, it gets more and more difficult, uh, the smarter the market is, but I think I've done a pretty good job of like, you know, the market does get smarter, but like I get 
more smarter every year than the market does. So it's like, just you're just kind of like in an ultimate race with the market, I guess. And yeah, just I guess my goal, like I said, is is to be at to end, to end boss. There it is. There, right. uh, <laughs> it, it, a scoop can uh, put his bingo chip down. And, uh, I know he said he said that I was like, what else is on the TBWC bingo card? What else do I say <laughs> too frequently? <laughs> Um, what other markets are you trying to get into? Do you ever do new stuff or is it mostly like you're just going to bet college or you're going to bet football and basketball um, until stuff, until anything drastically changes? So, uh, NBA is enti- NBA is enticing to me, um, just because of how much you can bet. And some people that I work with, um, do decently well at NBA. So like, that's an enticing market, but it, like at the same time, I look at my college basketball stuff and it's just like not nearly as good as my football stuff. And so it's like, can I, can I really take on a market that's like, that's a basketball market and is probably much harder to beat than college basketball. So, um, yeah, adding markets, probably not like I, like I said, if, if something would come up with like the people I work with that like, like an info trade or like something to get their MBA stuff that I could kind of like tweak it. Like maybe, maybe I would consider adding MBA. Uh, golf is another market that I don't do. I mean, I, I, I thoroughly enjoy watching golf um, and I would love to be able to like beat it, but like every model I put together is just, has kind of been shit first to close and like kind of too far off. Um, so, you know, the, the harder markets get, I, I've kind of like always had the theory that you're like, you're better off specializing as to, as opposed to like adding more to the mix. So yeah, maybe NBA and golf, but it's, it seems, it seems very unlikely that I'll be able to, to get to, get to the point that I want to get to in them. So it's, it's more probable that I'll just try to take like the college football sides and NFL and you know, try to get as good as I can at that stuff. Is your approach for betting um, college basketball or college football sides and totals different? Are you like, you spit out, I have Air Force minus 17, total 41? Or are you like, I think Air Force should be favored by 17? Let me think about what the total should be. Are they two separate processes or like contained within the same thing? Um, it's it, it's pretty similar as, as far as the same, same thing. And Maybe maybe that's why the college basketball hasn't hasn't done as good. Maybe there's something I need to be doing that I'm not doing. Um, but yeah, the, like the basic structure and like how I put the model together and stuff is is pretty similar. Nice. Uh, um, what else should we talk about? We got anything else? Um, yeah, SB SB better. SB better really helping out the pod here. <laughs> Yeah, he did have. I I answered a couple. Yeah, I mean, I I like I appreciate it. Like he's he's obviously wanting to collect as much knowledge as possible, and right, and that can that can really help you in that and in these markets. Um, yeah, he said, "What are my strengths and weaknesses?" Um, I think my strengths would just. I think my biggest strength is just like sticking to the process and trusting the process and like 
you know, when I'm, when I'm on, like when variance hits, like I don't try to change shit or like develop new theories about what it takes to win. Like I just, I'm pretty, I'm very confident in, you know, like what I'm doing and what it takes. So I don't like veer from the track when stuff goes bad. Um, and then like another thing that I'm like really good at is I, I think I'm just good at like, I've just watched the Don Best screen so much and have followed like so many sharps and how they bet that I've just kind of like my intuition is like pretty good and just like understanding like, oh, okay, like this looks like a college football game that I can compare it to a college football game that I've bet or have seen that the sharps like hammer this side. What's my math make it? Oh, my math shows this side too. Like, yeah, this is going to be a great bet. So like kind of like just like an intuition and like, like, I guess, like a feel, like, I hate to say I'm a feel better because I'm not, but uh, like, I, I do think intuition is like beneficial to gamblers and, you know, like people can have it and just kind of like understand um, why the markets are moving the way they are without like any real explanation. My weaknesses is like, um definitely need to improve my automation like there's stuff that i could be doing quicker like not only with my originating process but with how i execute bets i you know the smarter people get there's the quicker you need to be so yeah i would say just like automation and like improving you know i have very like elementary level understanding of like programming with r and like python so I probably should have been like spending quarantine, like immersing <laughs> myself in that. But uh, what have you been doing instead? Movies and, and instead <laughs> I've been watching movies and like uh, which ones? On walks and, oh, nice. Um, watch movies. So we, me and my girlfriend, put together a, a list of like a bunch of like older movies that we had been like wanting to watch and never did. Um, like what? So we've just been like, we've just been like kind of crushing through those. So like some of the, some of the ones that I watched that like I hadn't seen before that I really enjoyed was like um, Dead Poets Society with Robin Williams. Oh, okay. That got a good rating. Um, a lot of Wes Anderson films. I was like kind of unfamiliar with him, like uh, Rushmore and. Right. Um, what are some of the other ones that we watched with him? Uh, Moonrise Kingdom, Kingdom, Grand Budapest yeah, those Hotel, all, those ones. Yep, yep, those were all... Um, those were all... Life Aquatic Steve uh, Zizou. <laughs> we, yeah, had, we, we haven't seen that. Uh, He's got a lot of crazy movies. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like Wes Anderson. Yeah, I feel all... like he gets a bad rap because people watch his movies and they're like, oh, they're different than a normal movie and oh, they're all the same. And it's kind of true. Like, I don't think Wes Anderson's like a great artist or anything, but his movies are kind of cool. And he he says about his style, like, you know, it's kind of like my handwriting. Like, yeah, it just looks different, but it's that's just what it's going to look like, you know. You got to get over yeah, that. Yeah, and I, like, just the way it looks doesn't, it's not everything, you know. Yeah, right. They're, yeah, they're, they just, they just have like a real interesting vibe to them that I like. And uh, I do think it's funny how like, he went to college with like Owen and Luke Wilson and they're like in every movie that he makes and like right. Bill Murray's and like every, every movie. Uh, yeah. So that, that's kind of funny. Um, they made a movie when they were in what? college uh, called bottle rocket 
which is very That's weird. All... They made it. Uh, they were like twenty two years old or something. Owen Wilson's the lead. It's it's very like a like a student film, but kind of interesting. I mean, I'm not a big Wes Anderson yeah. fan, but I think one of the crazy things. I don't know if you know this, but um, in terms of like relations with people. I always feel like, you know, you don't know anything about anyone. Like you, you know, you think, you know, all this stuff, but you really don't, especially with celebrities. You know, my mom will be like, Oh, he looks nice. Or she looks nice. Or, Oh, I really like him. And I'm always like, you know, literally nothing about these people. And I think one of the like starkest examples of that is that Owen Wilson in like 2005 or something tried to kill himself. Like he had a failed suicide attempt and he seems like such a person that would not try to commit suicide, but he yeah right. Did, where it's like, okay, I don't even know what to think anymore. Like Owen Wilson seems in all his movies, he seems like such a happy guy, but you know, clearly the the evidence begs to differ. You know, right, 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 for sure. Um, I'm trying to think. Have you ever seen uh, What's Eating Gilbert Grape? I really like that one. It was. It's like. Leo's like yeah. I didn't realize we had Alan Boston on the pod movies. right now. <laughs> I, I saw his uh, his like top ten movie list, and I was like, should I should I be worried that a lot of like the newer like the movies that I've never watched that we just watched during quarantine are on Alan Boston's? Like, <laughs> well, let me ask you this: if you had a lot of overlap with his plays, would you be worried? <laughs> uh, you probably hey, would hey, be. If I'm not, if, if I yeah, if I'm not getting that closing line value, then yeah, I would I would be uh, I'd be worried. So, uh, but yeah, I guess those are some of the ones that are kind of sticking out as like movies that I hadn't seen prior to quarantine that nice. that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I I think that's all the questions I I had. Um, hopefully, this will this you know I don't have much of a brand on Twitter outside of trolling uh, a couple people so. <laughs> Maybe maybe this will build it up, and if I ever, you know, if if you cycle through everyone and I uh, I get a second episode, <laughs> maybe I can maybe I'll get a get a few more questions. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked. It's um, just like no one asked any questions. I guess you don't have very many followers though, because you don't really tweet yourself. No, I, you I, only I really retweet like, and not... reply to people and troll people. You're not saying yeah, like it... you're not even saying something like I bet Ohio State plus four and they lost by a hundred. You know. Yeah, I'm not like I'm not I'm not doing doing much of anything. I will say, um, I believe he's someone that you know. Uh, time and is it time and change? Yeah, at his handles at time and C. He's going to be a future podcast guest. I uh, I know yeah, him very well. Yeah, I will well. say. Yeah, he said um, about if you haven't been on the pod since June first, or do you really even gamble? Um, I will say I, I've heard a lot of good things about him from you, so I'm. I'm looking forward to his. Yeah, his time college, and time and see is pretty interesting because we work together. So we actually used to work at the same company at a college, um, and that's how we met. And he, like, like you said earlier, people that pretend they don't watch sports. I actually don't watch sports. Like I don't follow the NBA or the MLB. I I know nothing. You know, I watched the Cubs World Series games in 2016, and I could name like six players on the team that's kind of like the extent of my sports knowledge. I just don't really like sports and time and C is like the exact opposite where he watches every game, knows everything. And he's kind of, 
he has the same sort of quantitative abilities, but it also has all this qualitative info that he's a pretty interesting guy. And he just like is a monster in the college basketball market and is kind of trying to expand. But the way he knows how to bet is like, I know a lot about the sport. I'm going to bet it. And basketball is the one sport he really knows. Yeah. Yeah. He seems, you know, from what I heard from you and, I think a lot of it was like when I would see a total taking off like a bunch of points, I'd be like, do you know who's, does anyone know who's moving this? And you would always say that, that it was him. So I'm looking forward to, to hear. Yeah, what it's, he it's going to be kind of awkward because on these podcasts, like you and I talk, you know, most days or, you know, five or six days a week or something, but it's in like these chats. Um, we've never talked on the phone before. I don't actually know anything about you. Um, whereas time and C, like I've hung out with him a hundred times. I know him. I know. So I might not have as many questions. So like the audience won't know anything about him. So I'll have to ask questions, but like, I know the answer to them probably. So I, we'll see if we can take it in an interesting direction. Maybe we'll just talk about, um, we might talk a little bit about options trading or like stock market stuff, because the, it's kind of funny, the same people who are like, oh, no tout zone, and oh, CLV is really important, will like say stuff about the stock market. And it's like, do you realize how much bigger the stock market is than the sports betting market? Like, do you understand yeah, how much right. money can be made in this? Like, you think stuff's not fair in sports, but it's wrong in stocks? Like, shit's fair. <laughs> yeah, it's really yeah, yeah. fair. I, mean, I know there's like a couple, um, couple really sharp like baseball guys that bet like, and we're betting like really big, like stopped betting to go like trade because like they just like what they could get down in baseball, even with knowing like everyone and having all the outs, like, right. Just, it's, just it seems impossible to me, like for an originator to make much more than like 15 or $20 million in a year seems almost impossible versus for stocks. Like, if you had edge and you had a bankroll, like if your bankroll is 10 billion, yeah, you can make 20, you can make 2 billion in a year, you know, like you can make 20%. Yeah. Um, it's hard, but you can't do that on baseball. You know, imagine trying to bet like a hundred million dollars on a baseball game. <laughs> I mean, is that even yeah, possible? Right, Would you right, move the right, line right. to like minus yeah. 250? <laughs> if it starts yeah. pick? Yeah. I, I, I always wonder that. Cause like, I don't know, like, you know, I know some of the big, bigger money movers like out of Chicago and stuff. But like, I, I'm still not like, I don't know, like, I don't know enough to know, like, what's the end point? Like, what's like the most someone can get down on like a college football side on Saturday or like an MLB game, like an hour before start. Like, I, I just, I have no clue. Yeah, I also have no clue too. And the more people I talk to, it seems like no one has a clue. Where I wonder if just like there's one person who's actually doing the betting and he's the only one who has the clue, you know, it seems yeah. like maybe no one knows. <laughs> yeah, probably Farb. <laughs> <laughs> right. Farb. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I mean, I think that's probably everything, right? This has been yeah, the I second longest episode yet all. because Hagrid yeah, went a I little bit. Hagrin? He was... No. Oh, Hagrid's episode is weird because <laughs> <laughs> Hagrid's episode, he he thinks I wasn't paying attention and it was more so like the episode went on. I think we posted it and it was like three hours and 45 minutes, but 
there was a lot of ums and pauses where the actual thing was like five hours. <laughs> so I'm like five <laughs> hours into this podcast with a stranger. You know, he's talking about like <laughs> the deep coding he did to pipe this one thing in and, you know, the 80 mile run he did over here. And I'm just, I'm not quite a hundred percent. And he still to this day is like, Oh yeah, that was when you weren't paying attention on the podcast. No, that was the stuff <laughs> I was talking about that you didn't listen to. <laughs> yeah, he seems like a he seems like a great guy. Um, he's he's incredibly yeah. helpful, and honestly, the production of this podcast is like a hundred percent his doing. He the only reason it ever sounds better is because he tells me to do something. So he he really knows his stuff. Yeah, yeah, you could definitely tell from 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 start till now that it's. Uh... That, that's why that's why I was stalling all these months to get on. I was waiting for the production. Waiting for the production really coming to form. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't really know what I'm going to do after this because there's like you know around ten to fifteen people. I originally thought like they'll come on, but now we've done like ten episodes and we'll soon have done ten to fifteen. Where I don't really know who else to have on. Where maybe like this podcast just ends or we start doing repeats because I don't really know that many people yeah. and I don't think there's even that many people that are betting. You know. Yeah. Right. Uh, yeah. We just gotta. I might have a couple that I'll ask around and see if they're interested. If if you haven't already asked them. Yeah. And people don't want to give away their edge, and I don't want them to either. I don't want to give my away my edge. It's more like I feel like you can kind of talk about random stuff in the industry or stuff you used to do or stuff you think might happen on the future and not really touch on the the current present of how you come up with your number and get down like there's still a lot of yeah. stuff outside that that's interesting yep i think we did a good job i guess i'll i'll have to uh re-listen and hopefully there wasn't <laughs> there wasn't any time i got carried away and gave anything this was a pretty good one because but... the one with SIBO, um which is already posted by the time this posts was it was kind of off and on and we were going back and forth and stopping and starting this one is pretty easy where we just kind of talk for three hours i'll just post it pretty quickly it won't take long to edit um, but sometimes it can be hard to edit if you have to get rid of some noise or you know start and stop this should be pretty easy well awesome dude it was uh it was a pleasure to chat with you and, yeah um like i said who knows if if we uh if you go through all your guests, maybe a maybe a second occurrence. <laughs> if there is a football season or Hell yeah. somewhere down the line, we can uh, we can set it up. But maybe in a couple of years, you and me will be like that the process style where we have no edge and we're just talking about the games. You know? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There, there, there might have to be a career pivot at some point. <laughs> we might have to try to monetize the podcast at some point if uh, <laughs> stuff gets a little tougher. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jordoga, thanks for being on the pod. We will talk to you later.